Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. start off on a positive nine hours four minutes nine hours four minutes until the nlcs game one between the diamondbacks and the philly so i'm, I'm gonna go there first because i know we're all licking our wounds today i know we're all hurting i got you first loss of the season cuts a little deeper especially when you are more than a touchdown favorite so welcome in everybody happy monday the sun did come up uh, i am rob ellis that is Derek gun gunner New shades? We got we got new specs there, my man. What are we going? Hey man, I got a collection, man. I just like to flip the script every now and then. I know? like those. Yeah, looking good, man. Let me ask you this. Yes, sir. Are you more disappointed by what happened with the Eagles yesterday, or more excited about what's to come? Game one tonight between the Phillies and Diamondbacks. Man, you're hitting me with that one right out of the oh, shoot. Yeah. That's a good yeah. question. That yeah. is a good question. Uh, here, here's what I like. Uh, here's the honest answer. Right now, I'm more disappointed with the Eagles as time goes on, probably after we get done the show today and I really start looking forward to the game tonight, it'll shift. But I'm telling you right now, I'm not, I'm more not over the Eagles than I am looking forward to the Phillies. And I, it shouldn't be that way, but that's, I'm giving you my honest answer. That's the way I feel. Well, see, I, 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 I asked you the question because I sat and thought about this last night and this morning, and I'm not as disappointed about the Eagles because we saw these trends coming. Yep. I didn't think it would be the Jets. Now, I went against my rule. I allowed myself to get caught up in somewhat of a fandom instead of analyzing this thing deeper. When when I, when I you look on the surface, the Jets were down their top four DBs. Mm-hmm. Their future Hall of Fame quarterback is done for the year. Yep. Zach Wilson is not even a frontline quarterback. Correct. And I said, there's no way the Eagles don't win this game double digits. With the pressure they're going to get on Zach Wilson, forced turnovers, yep. there's no way. And then after the game was over, I went back and looked at the stats and realized, doggone it, the Jets' defensive numbers are misleading because they've been on the field so much. Because up until 
two games ago, the Jets offense couldn't muster much of anything. And lo and behold, sure enough, the perfect storm, the Jets caught them at the perfect time yesterday. Yeah, I I um I don't think there's any question that short drives by the offense, turnovers by their offense, and and although Wilson's playing better, I will I will give him that. He, yeah. He's not he, look, he's become the guy everybody just just trashes nonstop. He's Absolutely. he's okay. Yeah, he's like he's okay. But but because their offense hasn't been great, their defense is constantly on the field. Therefore, the numbers are a bit misleading. Um, you, you know, when it comes to them. And and M. Reyes, we'll get into the uh to the Brian Johnson thing in a moment. Uh and for sure. I mean, and, and Tone, if you could you could pull that one down. Uh my controller is not working. Thanks, bud. Um, so yeah, I do think they're a little bit misleading, but what, here's what's not misleading though, Derek. Yes. I mean, as talented as they are on the defensive line, and they're talented. Yes. Teams were running all over them. That that's just a fact. I mean, they had given up 149 rushing yards per game. They 134, 157, 204, 139. And what I here's my theory. I think because the Eagles saw that Sauce Gardner, that DJ Reed, that some other guys in that secondary weren't playing. They just went throw nuts. I mean, 18 of the first 19 plays, other yeah. than the the the, yeah. the hurt keeper, which eventually got in, was a pass. And I think they just lost it. And they got too far out of whack between the pass and the run. Which is bad coaching. Control the clock. You run the ball with authority. Now, I will also add this. I believe the Jets' defense was giving up so much real estate on the ground is because they were gassed yes. in a lot of ways. I agree with you. You I look agree. And we talked about this Friday. The Jets' front seven is no slouch. Yep, They are good. Yep. The Williams brothers, and they both get a pick, by the way, yesterday. Yeah, Quinton and Quincy. Yep. The front seven is good. Mosley's a beast. Yeah, I mean. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And you know, Quentin Williams is one oh. of the best D tackles in the game. Yeah. Um, the back, the back, the, the the fact that the offense could not sustain drives was killing this defense. No doubt. No doubt. And all of a sudden, that big mo that we like to talk about shifts in favor. When the Eagles walked down the field, 19 plays and chewed up nine plus minutes on the clock. I said, lights out. Yeah. Again, I let my fandom get the best message lights out mm-hmm. there ain't no way in the world the Jets defense can stop this offense yeah then all of a sudden you start going uh-oh we saw so many uncharacteristic things from this team yesterday and to compound to add insult to injury we got dbs dropping like flies all over the place i i mean the last thing you need first of all we'll, let, we'll get to lane in a second which is enormous right and the, the severity yeah. of that we don't know yet completely uh, and I know you were hearing from your sources yesterday that the x-rays were negative, but that doesn't mean you're out of the woods. There, there's initial x-rays, and then, then they go a little bit deeper with some of the x-rays and the scans that they do. So, if, if Gunner, if you hear anything or if we hear anything throughout the course yeah. of the show, we will certainly yeah. pass that along. Uh, are you hearing anything? I, I don't want to. Not yet. No, okay. not yet. I've been, okay. uh, got, some, got some feelers out, but not yet. Okay. So, um, again, if you didn't see it, if you if you didn't get a chance to see the game whatever, for whatever the case um, – Lane gets hurt yesterday. He gets his ankle rolled up on. He leaves the game. He didn't come back. Um, and look, we know when they're 13 and 23 when Lane Johnson doesn't start a game in during yep. his tenure. Okay. That's and that's not a coincidence. You're talking about a a great future Hall of Famer, in my opinion. All right. So anyway, he goes down, which was huge. 
It affected everything. Jack Driscoll was bad. We, we can call it like we like it was. He had a really rough game. I know he's thrown in there. I know it's not easy, but he did not have a good game. Um, we, and that we, saw this, we, we saw this Driscoll act last year when they put him at right tackle, and it was a disaster. Yep. You know, for as much accolades as we give the Eagles organization for number one drafting deep when it comes to offensive and defensive linemen, for to Jeff Stoutland for being able to coach up and cross train offensive linemen, except for Jason Kelsey, the cross train train guys who play guards, tackle, guard, tackle, right side, left side. How did they not go into the season with a better option as a backup to Lane on the right side? As soon as Jack Driscoll enters the game, I'm thinking. This is a disaster waiting to happen because Robert Sala is going to feast on this. And sure enough, it did took it took a matter of place before they identified there's a weak link in the fence. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's and then to compound it, in my opinion, you pass it. There was 55 dropbacks. Oh my goodness. 55. So you you were almost like feeding right into it. Um it just had a feel to me every once in a while, Andy would kind of lose his mind back in the day. And it would, he would just go skew so heavy pass versus run. It had that kind of feel yesterday for me. Um, so there was that. And then back to what you just mentioned, I mean, you're already without slay. You're already without Avante Maddox who's out for the year. You're already down bodies. And then you lose blanket chip on what was a dirty play by Lazard. Okay. You lose blanket chip. In the course of the game, like Ricks goes down, you had Makai Gardner out there and just like a bunch of guys who have zero experience. You had guys playing corner who were safeties, guys playing safety who were like, it was like you were just trying to piecemeal it. With all that said, the defense really only gave up 12 points. I mean, that last touchdown is on Jalen. The defense let them score so they get the ball back quickly. Like, I can't beat the defense up. They did the best they could, all things considered. You know, I, I I couldn't agree with you more, but I was about to say also what Chuck Hutton just mentioned in our chat. Mm-hmm. Can we all just sit here and admit Robert Sala outcoached Sirianni? 100%. Robert 100%. Sala outcoached. Now, here's the thing, Rod, in, in a copycat league, and we've talked about this every week leading up to this game, and we even talked about this as well. Look at the defensive minds they, f- they faced this season. Belichick, Flores, Todd Bowles, Raheem Morris, and now Robert Sala. Did you not think at some point somebody was going to figure out the Rubik's Cube on how to slow this team down? Now, granted, Eagles did everything under the sun to help this team out. Four turnovers. But the bottom line is, eventually somebody was going to catch this team at the right time. I didn't think it would be the Jets, but it was definitely the Jets yesterday. Yeah, it was. And, you know, you you turn it over four times, and the the last one is just murder. It's an off, there is there is no excuse because there were look I understand that Jalen a lot of yesterday was running for his life but on the interception he wasn't running for his life no on on the very last play of the game which I don't know what the heck that garbage play was where you just throw it up he wasn't rushed on he had forever on that play yes, like he did. you're telling me none of the receivers could get open against that depleted secondary of the Jets on either of those plays, or Jalen can't make a better decision on the interception, that's just inexcusable for a guy who, 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 look, from a passing standpoint, certainly from a turnover standpoint, Derek, is regressing. I mean, there's no two ways about it. He's got seven picks already. He had six all of last year. That's right. Well, you know what? When you look at the three picks he threw yesterday, Rob, I'm going to give him – 
he made some bad decisions, first of all. Yeah. He did run for his life. That dude, that dude was Houdini yesterday because there were times when I thought he was sacked. He escaped and rolled down and either made some throws down the field or just threw it away to live another day or took off and ran. Yeah. But the first pick, great strip out of Goddard's hand right into the uh, Quentin Williams' arms. The second pick, Jalen's arm gets hit. The ball floats up in there. It's a punt tip for the DB who caught it. Yeah. The third pick is all on Jalen. Yeah. How do you how do you slide back to your left and throw that ball off the off your back foot? You see double coverage standing there. What did you think was going to happen? It was you bad. On- coverage. It's not like your view was blocked. You had a window to yeah. see that throw. Why did you throw that ball? I don't understand that. But then again, we've been questioning this offense and Jalen's decision making all season. Yeah, it's been a trend. It's been a trend, Rob. It was it, it was really Derek on like four or five levels. Just a terrible football play. I mean, look, worst case, throw it away, man, and you punt it, and you force Zach Wilson to take you down the field. And I'll get into the play call in a minute, but you're on your back foot with no pressure in your face. And there's three guys around your receiver. I mean, it's no wonder it got intercepted. It was terrible. Now, the other argument is if you're the Eagles there, do you run the ball? The jets are out of timeouts. Okay. You could have milked that. That was third down. If you run it there, by the time you get the punt off, they probably have a minute, give or take, I don't know, around there. Uh, and you, and you're probably considering you were, I think on your own 45, you could with a good punt by Braden man, could have pinned yeah. them in and forced Zach Wilson to go 85 yards, 90 yards. So there was a lot of things that you can look back and second guess. And yeah, I agree with what what uh, Chuck said. I mean, this it I it did the Eagles got outcoached. There's no two ways about it. This was a a coaching loss, a player loss, and everybody loss. And Nick Sirianni said after the game he didn't feel the need to address the team because the players stepped up right away and addressed it themselves. Well, I hope so. Because this was one of those games where, and I'm not letting Nick off the off the hook. I thought he coached poorly. I thought Brian Johnson coached poorly. I, I think the side did a nice job. But this is a game where you light into those guys after that kind of game. Yeah, but you know what? Um, Nick Sirianni has such a an even keel veteran group. You don't have to yell at this team. You don't have to. Yeah. You know, they know what they did. They know what they did not do. They understand that. You know, some coaches go in the locker room, they're going to yell to get the attention. Sirianni doesn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. You have so many guys who are accountable in that locker room. You know, starting with the, the quarterback, quarterback stepped up in the locker room and said, guys, it's on me. I, hey, that's leadership. Yeah. You know, when you got the collection of Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, you, that doesn't have to be a whole lot of yelling. Yeah. Now, of course, if this is a four or five game losing streak, of course, then the voices will escalate. I promise you that. You will have voices escalating. But in this case, hey, look, we all knew we were going to lose sooner or later. We got it out of our system. This is similar to the Washington game last year. Yes and no. I, I agree with you. It is similar. It, it, like, here's the thing. When you survive games and you, you do things that are not conducive to winning football, the message doesn't get driven home the way it does if you lose. So we've seen it a couple times this year where the Eagles won games and we kind of said, yeah, but they need to be better, right? Okay, losing is more of a wake-up call. There's no question about it. So I do think that'll serve them well. The problem I have is, like, we're seeing patterns I don't love. Like, I thought Jalen threw it better 
the previous two weeks, but he's still turning the ball over at a higher rate. That's yeah. that yeah. has to be fixed. Uh, the running game's kind of dissipated. Now, some of it yesterday was you didn't give it a chance, but it has kind of dissipated the last few weeks where it was dominant yeah. earlier in the year. And I just don't know that you keep overcoming these injuries on the back end. I mean, you're going to get a Miami team with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell and Tua, uh, not to mention Mostert, who's a monster too, who they ripped off 42, 35 unanswered yesterday. That's what's on deck. That, that That's not a football team. That's a track team wearing football gear <laughs> down there. And I'm telling you right now, that that when Eli Ricks got hit, injured, would you see how his knee bowed when he planted it in the ground? I'm thinking, oh, my goodness something's torn because I've seen too many guys bow knees bow like that to the inside. And I'm thinking now, obviously the Eagles haven't said anything. They're going to take their time this week, figuring it out. They're going to be very cloak and dagger. Now I do have a preliminary update about Lane Johnson, but I'm asking, I got to wait and see what time uh, Nick Sirianni speaks to the media before I say anything. Uh, Cause I'm going to see if he brings it up in the meeting. If he doesn't, um, do you have the updated schedule in terms of when when he when he speaks to the media today? Uh, let me see. I have last week. So. Yeah, they usually carry over into Monday, yeah. and I can't find my schedule. Uh, let me see. I pull it up here. Um, I'll find it. I'll find it in, in, in the meantime. But yeah, I I, I think it's. Um, I thought it was like yeah. around. Let's see. Uh, Boy, do I delete a lot of stuff. I get a lot of emails. <laughs> same, same here. I delete I so, so much crap emails. Yeah. Um, wait, here we go. Okay. Right. Upcoming Eagles schedule. Monday, uh, Nick Sirianni video conference to be determined. Ah. Okay. So we don't we don't know right now. All right. That, that's fine. I mean, look, here, here's the thing. Um, and I'm sure they'll, they, Eagles are very good with sending that kind of thing out, what the schedule is and when it'll, when it, it will happen, et cetera. The bottom line is for this team heading into this stretch, and I know I know it's Washington after Miami, who's not great, but they won yesterday and they played well. Hey, let me tell you something. Washington played really well down they in Atlanta. Did. They showed a lot of heart. They bounced oh, back. Oh, my goodness. Yes, they yeah. did. Yeah, they And did. they're going to give this team a problem again because it's on their turf this time. And it's always close. It feels yeah. like it's always close when these two teams play. But the, the bottom line is, like, with what's coming – they have to be way better than they than they have been. They just have to be way better, or else this team is going to be in trouble. I mean, just plain and simple. I mean, you, you had a you had a golden opportunity yesterday. San Fran loses in the in the early window, one yep. o'clock, and we'll talk about it later. They had some significant injuries of their own, but San Fran goes down. Cowboys potentially like I kind of like them to win tonight, but if the Cowboys lose, they're three and three tonight. Yes. and you had an opportunity to. And the other thing is Detroit just keeps winning. You know, and we'll talk about Detroit. They're yep. five and one now. Right. Yep. So all of a sudden, where we thought it was just the Eagles and the 49ers and maybe the Cowboys, you nope. better start throwing Detroit into that equation, too. I'm going to tell you something. Um, if Detroit gets home field advantage in the playoffs and their schedule is more favorable than the Eagles and, and the Niners' schedule from this, this point moving forward, Detroit is going to be a difficult entity to kick out of the playoffs at home. I'll tell you that right now. Um, yeah. As long as they stay healthy, they're going to be difficult to deal with going into Detroit come playoff time. Yep. Um, I've, I've watched, I've watched them like for three weeks now. And Rob, this team has that it factor, man. They're feeling it. 
They are playing well on both sides of the ball. When you look at their numbers on both sides of the ball, they just sneak up on you, and you're like, wow. They're, they're still getting acclimated. They're not even hitting a stride yet. Yep. I'm like, man, okay, all right. You know, we keep saying Niners, Eagles, Eagles, Niners, but, um, you know, Brock Purdy showed against a really good defense. He's a mere mortal. Yeah. Yesterday. And I understand it was sloppy conditions. I get that. Um, he had his first turnover yeah. of his of his career of the season. Right. Um, but they you're right, they lost some key components. But but this Eagles team, um, it, it's starting to look like and, and the difference is a lot of those injuries I keep referring to were season ending, but this is looking like 2005 with players falling by the wayside, man. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it, it goes to show how fortunate they were last year. I mean, the yes. fact that most of the injuries were two or three games and, and people everybody came back and you had everybody available in the playoffs, it's rare. And now they're they're seeing what this is like. You know, you lost Avante really early yeah, in did. this thing. If this lane thing is serious, I mean, that's – that's other than Hurts, uh, you know, you could make a case – you know, I, I, I get it. You could argue A.J. Brown or Kelsey or whatever or maybe Fletcher. But losing Lane Johnson – is like after Hurts, the very next tier as far as I'm concerned. If it's, I if agree it's with you 100%. What a luxury it is for a quarterback when he steps back to pass to not have to worry about his right side. You know, a lot of times quarterbacks have to go right to left, left to right, depending on the play call. That man never had to worry about looking to his right side to see if there's pressure coming with Lane Johnson standing there between him and, and, a, and a pass rusher. If Lane is out for a game or two, especially mm-hmm. with the next few games coming up, Changes the whole complexion uh, of what this offense could, could possibly look like. It, it, yeah, it, it's amazing. You wouldn't think, usually when you're saying what's the most debilitating position, it would be a loss of a quarterback, a loss of a, 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 a primetime wide receiver, a loss of a primetime running back. We go from the quarterback to a primetime right tackle. It's true. And you would also normally say a left tackle with a right-handed quarterback. Yes. Because that's his blind side. But, yes. yeah, it's a big one. So – in addition to that, and again, we'll give you any kind of updates that we get here uh, on Lane. Mention the turnovers, and we're we're gonna we're gonna tackle the offense and the defense in a little bit. But you know, the Niners go down. Cowboys already coming off a loss the previous week to the Niners. Uh, like I mentioned, you you had this is what's frustrating because I think this is going to come down to the wire, Derek, for for home field advantage. That's not a game you can lose. Like if you lose no. next week to my, like just say they lost to Miami uh, hypothetically, and it was a close game, and hey, Miami just outscored you or took advantage of your secondary that was banged up. That's a different look, in my opinion. You lose thirty-eight, thirty-five to Miami. Yeah, you're not thrilled about it, but that's more understandable than this, you know. Yes. And by and by the way, like the Jets were celebrating that thing like they won the Super Bowl. Solid jumps into Joe Douglas's arms and he he ends the press conference. They're not twelve and zero anymore. Okay, dude, you're three and three. Calm down a little bit. All right, I, I will say this: when you consider the devastation that team has gone through, when they had the perfect storm, everybody in the media, everybody who analyzes football at the outset of this season, put the Jets in their pecking order as a playoff team. You lose a future Hall of Fame quarterback, and the wind is taken out of your sail. And sure enough. You struggle to get to two and three. And the team that was the runner-up in the Super Bowl with one of the most prolific offenses in the NFL comes into your backyard. Nobody's giving you a chance except those dudes wearing those green jerseys. 
those green and white jerseys, a green, dark green jersey. Nobody. Did you honestly think that the Jets defense could hold the Eagles to 14 points? No. Did Absolutely you think, not. Did you think the Eagles would turn the ball over four times? No. Did you figure four field goals by the Jets could keep them within striking distance? And Jake Elliott miss, misses a chip shot for him. Devontae Smith drops two balls. Two balls. Yep. Gainwell, every, per, perfect storm. Gainwell drops a first down throw. Hurt scrambles to the outside, floats to the sideline, throws a dart. This should have been a first down catch. Gainwell drops it. Yep. The perfect storm is the accurate assessment of what happened on Sunday. Yeah, and that's the nature right. of the NFL. But, you know, so now the 49ers and the Eagles join the ranks of everybody in the NFL. Is Kansas City a good team? They have a loss. Yeah, Buffalo, a good team. They have yep. two losses. Detroit, one loss. Dallas, three loss. Eagles, Niners, now one loss. Everybody is susceptible to getting beat. I yep. think the movie Any Given Sunday is the per perfect accurate to describe what happens week in and week out in the NFL. That's why I would never bet on football games. You can't predict oh, anything. Yesterday, if you had the favorites, you took a beating. You took a oh, beating my goodness. yesterday, man. What? Woo! Yep. Oh, my goodness. I hear you. All right. Uh, do we know if we have L.A. next? Oh, <laughs> uh, I, I don't know. I haven't okay. heard from him. So here's the deal. If we have Larry Anderson, he'll be next. If we don't, we're going to get a little bit more into this Eagles offense, Derek. Um, and just really dive into what went down and what the thinking was, what the game planning was. I know a lot of people upset with Brian Johnson. There are people who are concerned about Jalen Hurts that he's headed the wrong way. You know, just what other than you know maybe AJ Brown who was spectacular and even hit. You can even call him on the carpet for a play where he slows down on that deep shot. Jalen puts a good what ball on. Him. What was he thinking? That's that, I mean that was a great throw. That's uh, six right there. Yeah. So we'll get into all of that. We'll do offense. We'll do defense. We'll take a look at everything that happened in week six in the NFL, including previewing tonight with the Cowboys and the Chargers. We will talk plenty of Phillies as well. Game one against the Diamondbacks. NLCS kicks off tonight. All right. He's Derek. I'm Rob. Let's tell you about Bravo Pizza Pavertown. It's Monday. You don't feel like cooking, man. You're down from the Eagles. I get it. I get it. I got the perfect solution for you. It's Bravo Pizza Pavertown. Uh, Bravo Pizza has been family owned since 1985. I've been going there since I was a kid. What I love is the variety. They have 20 different styles of pizza. You want to just get a slice, get in and out of there, boom. They have slices to go. Uh, they have the upside down, which I got on Friday. Specialized pizza, however you want it, they will make it for you. Aside from the pizza, fresh pasta, wraps, sandwiches, wings, salads, they have it all. And Bravo Pizza of Havertown is committed to the community. They have fundraisers for charity, schools, little leagues, where the proceeds go to those organizations. You could follow them at the Bravo Pizza of at the Bravo Pizza of on Instagram and Facebook for daily specials and promotions. They're located at 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. 1305 Westchester Pike Manoa Shopping Center in Havertown. Give them a call right now. 610-446-3810. That's 610-446-3810. A little more from Bravo Pizza of Havertown. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there and 
It was just a, a memory that you'll never forget. Go to get your game on. Go for the beers. Go for the cheers. Go for the hit and the hits. Go for the stakes and the stakes. Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soga now helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. For the big story on Action News. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. All right, welcome back in, everybody. Rob Ellis, Derek Gunn, hanging out with you, Sports Take. And you know what? After that Eagles loss, we needed a ray of sunshine. And nothing says sunshine like the one and only Larry Anderson. Larry, first of all, good to see you, my man. I, I appreciate you uh, you joining us, number one. And number two, there he is. There's our guy. It was not easy, but we got it. We got you. All right, Larry. Uh, go ahead. No, go ahead. I'm just, I'm just saying, you have, a, you have to understand the conversations that I have with Larry. <laughs> you had us nervous, Larry. I will just tell you, you had us a little nervous. That's all. <laughs> That's nervous. <laughs> Larry, you have no idea the responsibility you have. Uh, it was a rough one for the Eagles yesterday, and now we're all turning to you 
as our guiding light here to help us get through the rest of the day into tonight's game, Larry. So it's a, there's a lot on you, my friend. Well, I was fortunate. I was at a wedding at my niece's wedding uh, yesterday, so I didn't get to see the Eagles game. So everything worked out perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, well said, L.A. Well said, man. Um, you know, as great as the Philly, Phillies have been awesome so far during this playoff run, but how about Arizona, man? They're undefeated. Yeah. Ripped through Milwaukee there, ripped through the Dodgers in three games. This is this team's no joke. I mean, I hope people are aware how good this squad is. Oh, they they got a real good ball club, and they're I mean, anything I've read and talked about, uh, a lot of the talk is how this Arizona team is so similar to the Phillies team of last year. Um, but the one thing I, I think they've got t- and two excellent pitchers right out of the shoot yep. in uh, Gallant and and Kelly. Um, but after that, their rotation kind of falls off. And I think mm-hmm. that's where there's an advantage for us. But the way they're playing, um, I mean, they're putting points on the board. They're running like rabbits on the bases. They're hitting for power. I mean, they're doing everything, everything very well. And mm-hmm. so it's not going to be a uh, – you're not going to coast over them. I don't think it, this is going to be – it's going to be a much tougher series, I think, than some people some people realize. Mm-hmm. Hey, Larry, speaking of pitching, let's, let's start with a guy taking the hill tonight in, in Zach Wheeler. Give me your your assessment of what has made him so special and so dominant, especially down the stretch here leading up to this game tonight. Uh, I, I think a lot of it is his fastball command. Um, whether he's throwing 97, 98, or 94, 95, obviously he's better. You know, you look, the more velocity, the better with his command. But the fact that it doesn't matter what his velocity is, if he's, if he's making his pitches with his fastball, setting up his other stuff, that's what's made him so good, I think. And he's very, very confident in his stuff. Um, he's certainly been a big game pitcher. And I think just a lot of factors come into it. But I think just the, the one main thing to me is how he's been able to command the fastball and then use uh, get to his other off-speed stuff. Mm. LA, let's go to the flip side of that. Give us your scouting report on Zach Gallon. We know local kid, South Jersey kid has had a heck of a year. He seems to always be top five Cy Young contention here, at least the last couple of years. What, what's he bring to the table? He he brings um, great command. Mm-hmm. Um, his fastball, it's a true four-seamer. He can ride it up in the zone, which he does often. And that's, you know, I'm talking with Kevin Stalker about the hitting part of it. And he's talking about, you know, the high fastball. I'm saying we got to lay off of that. But, you know, like with Strider, the high fastball – when the ball's up eye high or, you know, up around the letters, you see the whole ball, which if you compare that to when it's at the knees, you look down, all you're seeing is the top wow. half of the ball. Right. So the higher it gets to eye level, the better, the bigger it looks. And I mm-hmm. think the more uh, chance you have of hitters liking that pitch or going after it because they see it so well. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard to get on top of it. Zach Gallon can do that. He can pitch down in the zone and then elevate with his fastball. And he's... He's got very good command of all his pitches. He's got great off-speed stuff, and I think that's a that's a big key when you can elevate with the fastball and and make get guys to chase, and then go down with the breaking ball, chase down there. You know, with the change of speeds, it makes it very difficult. You can't really with Gallon. You can't really guess with him. You can't try and guess with him because he's got good command of all his pitches. So, mm-hmm. um, as you said, he's in the top five last year in uh, uh, Cy Young. He's just. Uh, I mean, there's always talk of him in the Cy Young uh, category, and just that alone tells you this guy's pretty good, and he is good. No question. Yeah, Larry, when you look at this Phillies lineup, um, and and wow, it is a lineup one through nine for any pitcher to contend with. 
Um, you know, the big money guys, the Schwarbers, the, the Turners, the, the Harpers, they've held their own. But I think it has been such a fascinating story how all the understudies have, in a lot of ways, outshined them. Like the Castellanos, four home runs in two games, the Stotts, the Marshes. Um, th- this this back end of this lineup is as potent as a lot of teams' front end of their lineups. Yeah, I think that's the key. I think that being able to do that all the way down, one through nine. Um, the one thing right now, I think uh, – Schwartz is scuffling a little bit, yeah. but the same thing last year. And then he just went off. So I'm kind of hoping that maybe this is the same thing there this year that struggling for the first couple of rounds, but then get to this round and just really turn things around. I think, I think he and Bohm are keys to this Bohm hitting. I guess he'll be hitting behind Harper. Um, but if, if Bohm needs to kind of get things together too, I think, and he's been a tremendous hitter for the Phillies with runners in scoring position all season, it's been more of a struggle in this postseason. And I think having him behind Harper, it's really incumbent upon him to really turn things around to maybe make him think a little bit more about not pitching to Harper. Because right now, I mean, that's the one thing when you look at other teams, like they don't want to give Harper anything to hit. And yeah. if Bohm's hitting behind him and struggling, uh, it, it makes that, that decision for them even easier. Larry, to your point with Schwarber, all six of his home runs in the postseason came in the NLCS and the World Series last year. He yeah. we tend to forget that, right? But then he just he went nuts against San Diego and then it carried over. I expect him to I, I feel good about Schwarber in this series. I'll just put it that way. I think he's I gonna be big for them. I yeah. do too. Having you know, facing two right handers, albeit very good right handers mm-hmm. in in Gallon and Kelly. Um, I think Schwarber obviously would rather see a right hander than a lefty. And and he the thing with him is he can just he can turn it on the snap of the fingers yep. he, he can just turn it around and that makes a big difference at the top of the lineup. All right, let me just pick up on one thing you said. Do, do you think? And I, I know Rob is very usually stays pretty true to what he's doing here. Do you think maybe Real Muto goes up to that spot behind Harper? Maybe and Bohm goes down. Do you think he keeps it the same? I think he keeps it the same. Right. I think when you know you go through the, the the first two rounds and what you did for most of the year to get you into the playoffs, um, to get into the playoffs. And then even though with the struggling first couple rounds, I, I think it's hard for a manager to make changes. Mm-hmm. It's like, we've had this success. We've ridden this success. If I go around and Snicker did it with Atlanta in the first game, yeah. he changed their lineup all around in that first game. And we were joking mockingly saying, Oh, I guess they're scared of us, you know, to make changes like that with what they've done all year. But I think it had an impact on them, and and also kind of look had us looking at it like hey, maybe maybe they are a little concerned about anarchy this. move, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey Larry, stepping aside from from X's and O's for just a minute, I got to ask you this. I've been wanting to ask you this. How did they coerce you into getting on a flight to go to Atlanta? <laughs> I thought your traveling days were over, man. How in the world did that happen? Hey, man, he's got he's got Arizona next. Atlanta's cake <laughs> compared to that. I tell you what, when I decided last year to travel for the playoffs, um, my first trip, I went to St. Louis. Yeah. Um, the first game, I came back from the game. I'm going to get into my room, which is right at the, at the very first of the hallway, and my key's not working. I see a young couple, maybe around 30, a nice young couple. She's pregnant, real nice people as they're walking by. They go, oh, I can't get in your room, huh? And I'm like, how do you know? And they said, oh, they checked us into your room earlier today. Oh, what? Said, yeah, we walked in and we saw shoes, we saw clothes, we saw. I'm like, wait a minute, you you were in my. So I went downstairs, went through all this. I said, um, 
can, can you explain this? Why my room was given away? And I said, well, it just happens or something like that. And I said, well, can you do anything about it? She goes, what do you want me to do? I said, well, I guess you need to get your manager. So he comes out. He couldn't do much. I said, well, can you get your general manager? So he comes out and he says, hey, I'm really sorry, blah, blah, blah. All you know, apologies. And that's fine. I understand. But he said, we'll give you a voucher for, for food and drinks or beverages uh, for $100. Well, I took that. I went into the restaurant that night had a piece of salmon and some other stuff on the plate and spent most of the night in the bathroom. Um, oh, no. oh, <laughs> San Diego. We go to San Diego. I get vertigo. I've never had it. I didn't know what was going on, but my head was spinning and I was, this was in the morning. So you can't blame it on anything else. Um, I'm like, so I'm like, well, maybe I shouldn't be traveling. <laughs> tell me we're going to Atlanta. We go to the airport, you know, the player's plane takes off. We're getting on our plane. We got on our plane and sat on the, uh, sat in the taxiway or on the tarmac for uh, two, two and a half hours. With oh. the I'm like, maybe I should rethink this traveling thing. Even yeah, right. But, oh my God. Wow, um, that's crazy, man. That is crazy. I'm just, I'm just anxious to see what's going to happen when we go to Arizona. I, I, something's great. <laughs> I'm sure. So, oh boy. Oh boy. Well, about everything. Here's the problem. They, they won too much last year for you not to do it again this year. That's the problem, right. Larry. That you get swept problem. out in St. Louis and be like, yeah, you know what? I'm, I'm bad luck. You know, <laughs> hey, Larry, maybe you should take Amtrak. <laughs> go old school larry like babe ruth used to travel yes oh my god that's unbelievable all right i got i gotta ask you um gunner touched on it so i i i say to this day that in games uh you know the, the games here back in the games in philly games three and four the castellanos home runs were so big larry because atlanta scores early and it didn't take the crowd out of it but everybody was kind of on edge and when he hit those home runs, it was like relief and euphoria, and the floodgates opened up. It was it was almost like the the, the fans were told that they can't they can't be as loud as you you, you want to be until we score a run or until we tie the game up. And it was yeah. once he did that, it it just it opened up. It, it was like the the, the, the skies just opened up, a, a downpour of of loudness. Um, the, the decibels where they, you get warnings that hey, that this might be hurting your hearing or might hurt your ears. Uh, it's it just, it's phenomenal. But what, what to get something going early, I think that's a, a big key is get something going early, get, keep the fans in it, keep them engaged. Um, I think that's a big key for us because it, even Wheeler said when he was walking out to the mound in the playoffs in the, the first uh, start he had said, walking out to the bullpen at home, um, the ovation, he said that just elevated his game to another level. And I think that it does that for, a lot of these Phillies players, they, 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 the fans get behind them. The energy in the ballpark is tremendous. And I, I do think it raises the level of, of, of maybe focus or intensity or whatever for the players. And they respond to it. And the opposing team, they, I mean, they talked about it last year afterwards. Just that maybe our players were kind of intimidated coming in there. Mm -hmm. They've tried to pump in the noise and everything in Arizona at their workouts and that it's not the same. I mean, you can try it and it, probably maybe helps a little bit, but it's not the same as being there in person and, and hearing how loud the, the elevator man, uh, Ken, uh, and at the media elevator at the, our ballpark, I was asking him, I said, can you feel the noise? You, I mean, obviously you hear it, you know, when the doors open and stuff. And he said, when we clinched or when it was not when we clinched, I think it was when Castellanos hit the home run to either go ahead or Turner hit the home run to go ahead. 
He said the elevator in the building in the bar park was shaking. <laughs> he said, I could just feel it. My it was like it was vibrating because of the, the just the the noise, the the movement in the in the stadium, just phenomenal. And there's nothing like it. Like people talk about having home field advantage. There is such a thing as home field advantage. There's also a thing called Philly home field advantage, and that's completely different than the others. It's another beast. They take it to another level. See, I was going to ask you because you've been around this game and this team for a long time, and, and we know how raucous it can get. Yankee fans love their team. Dodger fans love their team. But have you, have you ever been around uh, a noise level like like what Citizens Bank Park has provided the last couple of years in a playoff atmosphere? No, it, it's not. It's I, it's not. There's there's nothing like it, and it's you know you can you can do everything you all the things you want to to try and. Um, uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for? Trying to trying to make it seem like stimulate. Like, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter. It's yeah. it's until you get there. And the, the one thing about the fans here, and I, I just feel like this. Whether it's Eagles, I didn't mean to bring them up, but um, after yesterday, sorry. Um, <laughs> but but but, but pe- people in Philadelphia, the the blue collar worker, which which this town is, they. If if the Eagles and the Phillies win on a weekend, their week's great. Yeah. If they don't win, they it's they're miserable. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and but they live they live for their sports, and that's not just Phillies. It's Eagles, Flyers, Sixers. They live for sports in this city, and they're passionate about it. They love their teams. Um, they've been through, I don't know, more than anybody else, knowing the the uh, agony of defeat. They've had plenty of their share of that in all sports. We need, and I, I, I've said this before, I think we need to, to show these fans a little more of the thrill of victory over the long course of time. And I think that's what this team is doing right now. Well mm. said, man. Well said. Larry, I got to ask you about the, the, the team itself feeding off of Harper. I mean, his presence, his greatness, his clutchness, the whole thing, man. It's just, and I know, look, this is a, a good lineup head to toe, but man, what that guy brings and how money this guy is, I mean, it, it is something to behold. Yeah, I mentioned it to him in the post game the other day, the other night about the, um, being a red light player, and and I told him I and Stock and I were the, both doing a post game together, and I said Stock and I both played with a guy, uh, a leadoff hitter who he took it to another level when that red light went on, when that camera was on him, and that was Lenny Dykstra. Mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. seen anybody answer the bell to the red light like Lenny had until Harper, and and I said that to Harper. And he goes, and he explained about it. He's like, I've been through pressure early in my career, you know, saying at 11 years old, he wanted to be the number one pick. Um, the, the, the going out, getting out of school early, getting his GED, graduating at 17 and, and going and playing minor league ball or independent ball. Juco, yeah. He, he said this, all this, that was pressure. He said, that was pressure. He said, this is, this is like, this is like a bonus. Mm. So if you look at it in that respect, He's been through, he's put himself, and, and obviously I think he's done it himself. He's put himself in those pressure situations when he was younger. He had to do this. He had to do that. He had to be the best. So now he's been through all that. Now, as he said, this is just, this is just fun. It's like, this is a bonus for him. When, when you can be in a, in a, a, a atmosphere like this in the playoffs and you can say, well, I've been through pressure. This isn't pressure. This is just what I do. This is what I love to do. Mm-hmm. The, just think of the, the saying that how how relaxed he sounds in these big games. 
It, it's the fact that he doesn't get tight. He doesn't squeeze the bat too tight. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't put the pressure on himself. He just said, this is, this is just having fun. Yeah. And when you go out there with that attitude of just being that, that relaxed, you, you, your athleticism just takes over. And it mm -hmm. certainly has taken over for him in these big spots. Larry, every move Rob Thompson has made in the playoffs has been lights out. Last game in particular, he takes his closers, Kimbrell and Alvarado, and he moves them up to the middle. And the guys who normally come into mid innings are closing it out. This man, this man has been rock solid in every decision that you've wanted to question. It has all worked out in his favor. Yeah. And I, I look at his decisions like this. <laughs> And what, what, you weren't happy that he pulled uh, Ranger in game one, Larry, after three and two thirds? I said it, I said it to, to, to Murph in the post game. Um, I, I think it was after uh, the first game in Atlanta yeah. and taking Ranger out when he did after what, three and a third, three and two thirds. Yeah. And I said, when am I going to learn? When am I going to learn to stop questioning Rob Thompson's moves? And, and I said that, I'm like, and I mean it. It's like, I, I still I still look at it like this like I don't, I don't really want to watch but you have to and and everything he does works and I think part of that is that the trust that he has in his players no matter if they're struggling or going good he trusts them so many people thought about Aaron Nola in his start against Atlanta like oh I'm not sure I'm not sure about Nola I'm not I'm not I'm not quite Rob Thompson's response was oh, I trust him I, I think he's a big game pitcher and I think he's going to come up big. I mean, he just, he exudes that confidence for his players. And I think that helps them. That makes them better. It makes them want to do more for him and for the team. And I, I just, just, everything he does, he just, he trusts his players. He, he loves them. He loves being around them. He, he's honest with them. He talks with them, communicates. Uh, you couldn't ask for more from a manager. And mm -hmm. I think that's a big reason they play so well behind him. Larry, you, you do a great job breaking down mechanics when it comes to pitchers, obviously, because you did it and you coached it. But you've been really good with Nola and talking about what's the key for him, right? And I, I we had your partner on, Scott Franski. I see you got the shirt. You're rocking the uh, the, the Franski oh, yeah. shirt today. Very nice. Yeah. Um, but he said, you know, the big adjustment he made was looking at the pitch clock on the left side of him as opposed to the right side. And that that's kept him more square, you know, yes. to, to the plate. Is that what you were, I mean, was that part of what you were seeing with him when he was going through his struggles as opposed to what's happening now? Well, I, not, not being down there and being with him in a bullpen or, you know, having the, the videos to look yeah. at to go over. But I think to me, the big thing was, and he's been doing this for the last few years, getting under his fastball, like his hand comes underneath it mm -hmm. and it elevates the fastball to a point where it's, it's not in a, a good elevation. You know, sometimes he can get under it and raise the fastball up letter high. Mm -hmm. But, you know, a lot for me, the last couple of years, a lot of his pitches have been just above the knees, like six, six inches above the knees versus at the knees. When you when he's on top of the ball and throwing downhill, when he keeps the ball at the knees, they don't do there is zero damage. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's all around baseball, pretty much, because mm -hmm. um, if you watch so many hitters on the low strikes, they don't swing at it. And then they complain. They right. bitch to the umpire like that ball is low. It's not low. But so many pitchers, analytics have brought the, the level of the fastball for the most part, even breaking balls, up high. Mm -hmm. And so now hitters are all adjusted looking up here. Then when you throw one at the knees, they can't, there's no way that's a strike. That can't be a strike. Right. That ball is low. And it is.
Right. And I trying to talk to Aaron a number of times about getting on top of the ball and pitching at the knees would make all the difference in the world. And that's, I think he felt he was getting blocked off a little bit. Um, maybe, maybe crossing his body and, and blocking off his, his arm angle and actually kind of having to drop down to, to get it to a the release point to go with his body. Now he's, he's squared up a little more. He's not fighting that he's able to get his arm on top and, and throw more downhill and get that ball lower in the zone. I think that's been the, the biggest difference His fastball command. The fact that he's going out there and using it. Uh, Smoltz made a comment uh, a while back when he was doing a Fox game about um, Nola, his fastball, he was using his fastball early and commanding it and establishing it. And then it disappeared. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, when he loses, when he stops using his fastball and he goes to his curveball so much, he becomes predictable. It's like three one three two. You're not getting a fastball. You're going to get a curveball or a changeup. I think he became very predictable. Now he's at times with two strikes throwing that fastball, and it's almost like it freezes the hitter. It's they're like, wait, what's he doing out there? I don't get that. Um, so I, I think all around everything has helped him. But to to get on top and being able to command that fastball down in the zone has been a big key for his turnaround. Larry, you brought up an intriguing point I want to tap a little bit more into. You have unlimited access to talk to these players anytime, anywhere, because you're there around them so much. And you have such a wealth of knowledge to share from a pitching perspective. But do you have to kind of pump the brakes and guard yourself from information that you want to give pitchers so it doesn't contradict what their actual pitching coach is trying to tell them? Do you ever have to pull yourself back? Yeah, absolutely. It's, um, I don't. I don't talk to him near as much as I did three, four years ago. Okay. Um, it's, um, I would like to, I, I would like to, you know, get into their heads a little more, talk a little bit about them, about one of the big things I, I just, I believe so much in is that thought precedes the action. And it, a lot of the stuff that I, that I believe in is not stuff that, that I made up. It's mm-hmm. stuff I learned from, from Steve Carlton, you know, the thought precedes the action, Gaylord Perry, um, playing with Tony Gwynn, talking to him about hitting. He learned so much about pitching from a good hitter, a great hitter. Um, Nolan Ryan. When you, To me, the, one of the things, one of the keys about, about coaching is that you have the experience not of, of what you've done specifically all the time, but what you've learned from great Hall of Fame pitchers, being around the game, being in the game for so long, and playing with so many great pitchers. You learn so much from everybody. And so... I, I like to share that stuff with the pitchers, but nowadays that the, the 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 mode of coaching is different. It's more analytically driven. Um, there's I, I don't I don't see as much value in analytics when it comes to uh, mechanics mm. as as um, as it used to be. As the old school guys who have been through it and experienced it, but. Again, like, like you said, I, I limit myself to, to what I say or what I can say to the to the players or pitchers anymore. Um, but I still have my opinions. It doesn't that doesn't change. But I don't I'm not I don't feel like I share it as much as I as I normally would. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. I wanted to pass this along. So, uh, Larry, there was a little bit of thought that maybe Reese Hoskins was going to be on the NLCS roster. He won't. Uh, he, I, I, obviously, they just don't feel like he's quite ready yet. I would assume. It sounded a little bit like what Rob Thompson said yesterday that he might be, but maybe they're just trying to buy him a little bit of extra time. Maybe the World Series. Who knows? That would be fascinating to have that bench, that bat off the bench, wouldn't it? Yes, it would be. And just I think the emotional um, part of it would be so uplifting right. for the team because what 
what he's meant to this club. And whether you love him, whether you hate him, whether he's swinging a bat great and not swinging a bat great, he's he always stands there and takes the questions. He always stands there, stands up for his team. He he takes a lot of the heat off of them when he's in there. And I think to me, he I think the players look at him as kind of, of a leader of their team. And it's hard to to put yourself in that position when you're not able to play. Yeah. Um, but but he's still around. He still wants. He does what he can to help. Um, obviously now down in Florida, trying to get in, in shape to to be able to come off the bench. I don't. He's not taking any ground balls yet. So right. it would strictly be just to have his bat off the bench. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to have him there, I think that would be a tremendous lift for the team. But is it is it something that 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 makes sense if he's strictly going to be coming off the bench just for a couple swings? I don't know. But yeah. I, I think it would be. I would love to see him back. Mm-hmm. All right, LA, we appreciate it. All right, so we, we we can't wait to hear about the adventures after you go out to Arizona. Oh, my that's goodness. Gonna, that's going to be – I never knew any of this, man. Jeez. Hey, I, I, I can see it now. Opens his luggage and there's a rattlesnake in his luggage or something. <laughs> <laughs> that, that'd be, maybe Fransky would do that to him just to mess with him. Who knows? Uh, I, I did yeah. get a trip in Arizona during during the season, uh, I think the last time I was out there. So I'm not a tarantula, a, a scorpion. A scorpion, really? Yeah. Like, yeah. It was in my room. It was crawling towards the bathroom. I took a picture and then I blew it up to make it look like it was like eight feet long. That's <laughs> the guys. So Love it. we'll see. Love it. All right, LA. We appreciate it, man. We'll we'll look for the call tonight, 807. Yourself, Scott Fransky, Kevin Stocker, Tom McCarthy in the mix as well. All you guys do yeah. an amazing job, man. We appreciate yeah. it, LA. Thanks. Thank, Larry, thank, thank you, man. All right. Take care, Larry. Yeah. All right. That is Larry Anderson, man. Oh, he is, he's a trip. How, how about all that stuff going on on the road trips? What the heck is happening there, man? Oh, my Unbelievable. Hey, hey, wow. And I want, I want you in tone. I want you in tone to remember something that Larry just said. I want you to let it resonate moving forward. Okay. okay? Thought precedes the action. So when you and Tone are teaming up and double teaming D-Gun, I want you to think about what you're saying and how much it pierces the left side, how much it hurts. And pierces the left side that pumps blood. I just want okay. you to understand this. I, all right, I, I'm taking I'm, I'm taking that into account. I'm, I'm, I'm putting that into process right now as we speak. Um, all right, that was that was fascinating. All right, so when we come back, uh, we'll go back to the Eagles, uh, Derek, and we're going to look at the offensive side of the ball, which really, in my opinion, cost them the game yesterday. So let's dive into that when we come back. We'll get to the defense as well. Our entire NFL segment. We'll look at some of the big games, some things that affect the Eagles, etc. We got a lot to do, so don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I am Rob Ellis. We are Sports Take. Let me tell you about Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group because knowing who to trust with your finances, it's everything, right? You work way too hard not to have your money invested with the right person and the right way, okay? But I can tell you from personal experience, I could not, could not have found a better person than Jim Murray and Principal Financial Group, whether it's retirement planning, 401k review, insurance review, if you have a small business, and you need help with your employee benefits, that's another resource that Jim and Principal can help you with. Um, Personally, I've entrusted my IRA, 401k rollover, you name it. All right, so you can give him a call. Very easy. Get a consultation. Talk to Jim, 610-996-4751. 610-996-4751. You can also email him as well, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot jim at principal.com that's murray dot jim at principal.com go to get your game on go for the beers go for the cheers go for the hit and the hits go for the stakes and the stakes 
Go to get your parlay on. Go to get your party on. Go for the scene. Go for the screens. Go for the gallery. Go for the win. Go to Ocean. Visit theoceanac.com to plan your visit. At Pond Lee Hockey, we've recovered billions of dollars for our clients, and we're confident we can do the same for you. With over 250 years of combined courtroom experience, we've helped over 100,000 injured clients obtain some of the largest settlements in Pennsylvania. One conversation is all it takes to help you and your family get back on track. If you've been injured in an accident, give Pond Lee Hockey a call. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Staffing is not easy, but that's what we do every day, all day. The key to our success is storytelling, asking the right questions to find the right people. Hi, I'm Gary Kane, president of Kane Partners. We want to be your staffing partner. Since 1977, it's always been about you, the community at Rafferty Subaru. And through the Subaru Love Promise, we prove we care by supporting charities like So Good Now. Soganow helps kids in under-resourced areas by connecting them with student-athletes to serve as mentors. We remove barriers so athletes can help youth in the corners of our communities where light and love are needed most. When you choose Rafferty Subaru, you help organizations like So Good Now. It's all about you at Rafferty Subaru. Do you stream on a Roku, Fire Stick, Google TV, or Apple TV? Now you can watch 6ABC 24-7 with the 6ABC Philadelphia streaming app. Search 6ABC Philadelphia and start streaming today. E-A-G-L-E-S. Eagles. We're back. That is Derek. I am Rob. Appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday as we commiserate the first time uh, that the Eagles have lost this season, the first Monday show that we've done, uh, and this is the case. So, yeah, a lot to dive into, Derek. A lot to digest um, with went down with, with what went down yesterday. So let's start with this shut out in the second half. I did I did not think this offense would be shut out, um, especially by a team that's really had uh, some injury issues in their secondary. Um, hard to fathom, really, and it feels like. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I know they look better the last couple of weeks, but it just feels like the, the the offense in general, but more the passing game has just been been off by like a tick uh, a little bit throughout most of uh, most of the season. And and it kind of reared its ugly head yesterday in the in the worst kind of way. Would you concur with that? Yeah, I've been saying I've been saying that for a while um, that this passing game has not been as fluid 
if there was one aspect of this entire team I thought would hit the ground running from day one, it would be the passing attack, and such has not been the case. And just when it looked like the Eagles got it right the last game, the last couple of games, yeah. here we are talking about what's wrong with the passing game again. Um, and again, I believe it is more so on the opposition continuously trying to give them looks that they're not expecting um, more so than it is the Eagles self inflicting self wounds. Now, yesterday they inflicted their own wounds, Yes, but for the most part, they've been able to figure it out at the end. You know, it may not be as pretty or as smooth as you want, but somehow, some way they come up with a big play, a big run to figure it out at the end or to control the clock at the end. Yesterday, everything that could possibly go wrong did go wrong. Very similar to that, that Washington game last year. And they're going to have a few more games where it's not going to look good and it's going to struggle, you know, because of the competition they're fang, uh, playing. They're going to play some teams coming up that are going to control the clock against them, that are going to put them at a severe deficit, put a lot of uh, pressure on them because those teams can score as well as they can. And they're going to have to find a way, especially with all these injuries now in the back end. You know, Howie Roseman can make some calls and bring in some other players if he wants, but you can't replace. If they're down, let's say, four DBs, like the Jets were this past. Yeah. Who, where, who you going, where are you going to get help? Wh- who are you calling? Other than practice squad players, who are you calling? You're not going to bring anybody in at the last minute to fill the yeah. void now. Unless you're making a trade, yeah. And even look, Roby, we don't know Roby's status with that shoulder injury. That's a big thing, too. You know, the fact that he had to come out of that game and he was actually doing a pretty decent job in the slot, yeah. all things considered. Yeah. You know, I mean, now he's down. Justin Evans is on IR. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eli Ricks has a knee injury. Um, you know, um, who else Who else got hurt? Um, oh, oh, Sidney Brown still, still, still on the out. Yeah, was, was out for the game. Yeah. With the hamstring injury. Mm-hmm. You don't know who's up and who, who's down right now. I think they may have three healthy. Oh, Blankenship re-injures the ribs again. Yep. You know, we don't know if he's going to play Sunday. Yeah. So, it, do they have three? Do they have three healthy DBs right now? Let's see. Uh, James Bradbury. Right. Slay's hurt. Uh, Goodrich, maybe. <laughs> Goodrich healthy. Um, who else? I can't think of another DB that's. Oh. Um, Keely well, Ringo? Terrell Edmonds, are you talking about corners or safeties? No, just secondary people, period. Edmonds is safe, is is healthy. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't mention him for a reason. Okay, I'll get uh, here's who's healthy. There's a reason I didn't mention Bradbury, Josh Job. Are you are you okay? Ugh, now you gotta really start squinting. Uh Keely Ringo, who had a big special teams penalty, by the way. You got Roby banged up, Sidney Brown banged up, Justin Evans banged up, Eli Ricks banged up. Yep. You have Makai Gardner, Garner, and uh, Mario Goodrich are healthy. So right now, you have Bradbury, Job, Goodrich, Garner. How does that make you feel? Not good. <laughs> and uh, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle coming in. <laughs> Not good, Derek Gunn. Not good. Not good. <laughs> All right, but but here's the crux of the issues that I have with the offense. This is this is what bothers me. I, I truly believe that because they viewed it as okay, no garden, no sauce gardener, no G, DJ Reed. We're just going to try to throw all over these guys and abandon the run. Uh, you know, uh, against a team that was 29th coming in against the run, 
I don't, I don't understand this, Derek. I don't, I mean, let me ask you specifically about the play on third down. So it's third and nine Eagles are up 14, 12. They have the ball in their own 45 and there's right. about minutes left. Right. What would you have done there? Would you have throw thrown the ball or would you have run the ball there? Um, I probably would have run the ball because even if you don't get the first down, you're that much co- closer in the field goal territory. And if nothing else, you, you have Elliott hit the chip shot, or right. so we thought until he missed that 37 yarder. Um, but you know, even with that, it was what 14 12 at that point, correct? So it made it 17 12. But then, but, but there's no way that that, that um, the Jets were going to walk down the field and score a touchdown on you, they couldn't do it all day, they could get within field goal distance, but a five point difference, field goal is not going to help them. They couldn't. Yeah, they, have, they would have had to have gotten seven, correct? Yeah. Or, yes. Or, you know, so I, I don't understand. I don't understand why there were fifty-five dropbacks and only twenty-two running plays against this team. I don't understand this to save my life. I'm still trying to come to grips with this. That you ran, you ran only twenty-two running plays against a defense that was throwing up the green flag. Run against us. If you run against us, you have a better chance of winning the game. Yeah. And you play right into well, okay. Once it was identified when Lane Johnson went down, once it was identified that the Jets were going to bring the heat. Did you see how many times they were blitzing? Yeah. Safety's coming off, corners oh, yeah. coming off. They didn't care. They figured out that's the only way we can make them speed up their offense is make Jalen make a decision a lot sooner than he wants to. Yeah, they didn't back off. No, I mean, you know, the weird thing is, like, I thought Jalen, maybe the first two and a half quarters, I thought played pretty well. I did. I thought he he made some plays in his defense. There were two drops by Devontae. It's not his fault what happened on the Goddard play. Uh, And he was running for his life a lot. Okay. But I'm sorry. The fourth quarter is on him. You know, the two huge mistakes were on him. There were other opportunities. You know, think about it. Even Derek, before the interception, he gets bailed out. The Jets dropped a pick. Yes. On the other, remember that? So, like, there was a bunch of of things that went wrong. And again, it wasn't just Jalen. I don't know that Brian Johnson's helping him right now. I don't know. I mean, I I just, I don't know that Nick is. Whoever's making these decisions to, to have 55 called pass plays and 14 run plays. You're not helping your quarterback out. And I think the other thing is, too, he sometimes gets tunnel vision for A.J. Like, A.J.'s spectacular, and I can't blame him. You know, seven catches, 131 yards. I don't blame him, but I think sometimes it's at the detriment of others. I've I've been saying that for weeks. He locks in on A.J., and and everybody knows where he's going with the ball. Now, more times than not, A.J.'s – Yeah, it works. The dude's hand radius is ridiculous. He's a beast. He's a beast, yeah. You know. But you've locked in, and again, teams pick up tendencies of other teams, and eventually they're going to have people starting to cheat more that way. Yeah. If you've got to get out of this mode, there's so many predictable trends that we saw, we've seen every week, and you know eventually it's going to catch up to them, and it did yesterday. You, you've got to do a better job of being what you were last year, even if it's not exactly as dominant as it was last year. It can be more fluid. Mm-hmm. It's not fluid right now. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't been for much of this year. You know, the defense, I got to give them credit. With all the players dropping like they were, they still held this team to 12 points, basically. 
I agree. Defense gave him a touchdown, which was a smart move. Give him the touchdown. Give him the ball back thinking that your defense can get down the field and score points. Don't let them chew the clock up and get it down to like 15, 20 seconds and kick an automatic game-winning field goal. You got to take you got to take that risk. You had two timeouts left. Give them the TD, get the ball back, and go down the field, see what you can do. No question. I, and I asked I asked the Kobe Dean point blank on that when he said, yeah, absolutely, we let him score. I, I got no problem with that. Zero. I mean, That last drive, they picked yeah. up two yards, Rob. Two yards. I, I know. I, I, you know, Derek, I just I, you had a buck forty six with two timeouts left. Yes. In that situation, and and you like that's what like big time teams do. They drive down the field and they score, and the Eagles couldn't do it. Um, it was uh, it was it was really it was inexcusable, man. And I you know, I just I wonder. We we thought we'd see. I know it was, it's going to be hard to top what Jalen Hurts did last year. Like, I get that. But it feels like there's definitely – he's fallen off a little bit here. And I don't know how much of that is him, how much of that is new defenses that he's seeing, people countering what, you know, what the Eagles did last year. How much is it the coaching staff not doing enough to, to aid him here in this, uh, this season? I, I, I think it's a, probably a combination of everything, but – yeah. It definitely is. It, the offense last year was way smoother than what this offense is. That's for sure. I, I think it's a combination of all of the above. Defense is trying to disguise things better, and and doing it in a lot of ways. Um, the offense um, just not being as fluid. The new offensive coordinator and Nick Sirianni, to his credit, is trying to give Brian Johnson enough rope to get a better feel, a more consistent feel on how to call the games. And, right. and up to this point, we haven't seen that. Um, at what point, now the question is going to start coming up, at what point, if this trend continues, at what point does Nick Sirianni step to the podium and tell us, I'll be calling the plays this week? I, you know what I wonder about? I wonder that that might happen, yes. But I also wonder if we don't know about it, if, if it doesn't get public. I mean, it's, Eventually, it seems like everything leaks at some point. But I, I wonder if they try and keep that under wraps, if he's doing it or he's jumping in in games. I, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I, I think that's – I think everything's on the table, man, after you lose the way that they lost this week. You know, you don't want to panic. They were 5-0. and oh, I get it. And, you know, it, it's okay for fans to go overboard. You don't want to go overboard as a team. But I do wonder, man. I do wonder. I, and, I, and I think everything should be a, a consideration at this point. You know, I think if the Eagles had lost that game yesterday, minus the turnovers and the gaffes, and they just got beat, as, as, as angry and as frustrated as people would be and shocked, I think they could accept it that the Jets just flat out beat them on that day. Yeah. But when you give, when you put that game on a silver platter for this team and everything you could possibly do, DeAndre Swift fumbles, hadn't fumbled all year. Mr. Automatic, Jake Elliott misses a chip shot, 37 yards. He had already hit a 54 and a 61-yarder this year, misses a chip shot. Right. Gainwell, drop. Devontae Smith, drop. Jalen Hurts, misreading defenses. You know, uh, fluke interceptions like the one that ricochets off Goddard, the one where Hurts' arm gets hit, the ball I mean, the tie, Yeah, credit to the Jets, it was just tied up perfectly, yeah. Everything. Yep. Everything you could possibly give them on a silver platter, you did. Mm-hmm. And at the end, you still had a chance to win the game, but what did you do as an offense? Your signature moment, 
define exactly how you played offense all game. Your quarterback throws in the double coverage. Good night. Game over. Yeah. 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 And I think that's a good way to look at it because there were a lot of, there were a lot of things that either had to fall almost perfectly for the jets or for the Eagles to be totally out of character for themselves. And, and that's how you end up losing. And yep. most weeks, all of those things aren't going to happen altogether. And, yeah. but, but it's also the reason why, you know, we, we've been trying to look at this with a critical eye while also giving the Eagles props for going five and oh, we're all looking at it. Like they are, they are five and oh, no doubt. But if you make some of these mistakes that we've seen continually against good teams, it's going to catch up to you. And this week it was an extreme, but it did catch up to them this week. I mean, there, I don't have to say it's the most obvious statement ever. You turn it over four times next week against Miami. Not only will you lose, you'll get you'll get boat raced. You, you'll get killed. <laughs> <That> boat raced. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I think that's obvious. They got to clean that up because uh, that's completely unacceptable. Um, if there was if there was one positive in this offensive fiasco yesterday, is that they were two for three in a red zone. Yeah. Okay. Yep. They were at forty two percent touchdown conversion rate before yesterday's game yeah. so two for three elevates them now to 45 percent. yay maybe that's the start of things to come with the red zone offense i don't i don't think so to be honest i think that's another aspect this yeah. this red zone offensive woes has been a it's been a problem through through five games before yep, year that's another trend we have to keep watching as they continue this journey in the next seven games are going to be very interesting in terms of what this team is and is not this year now, after what we saw yesterday and taking into consideration what the next seven games look like, mm -hmm. and obviously it's just hypotheticals, it's what we do. It's yep. part of the fun that we do. Yep. What do you think this team's going to do over the next seven games? I, I, it's hard to answer because I don't know about Lane Johnson. If, I, if, there, if right. Lane Johnson's not there, this becomes way more Difficult. I, I was doing difficult anyway, but with Lane, if Lane Johnson's out, like I'll give you an example. So EJ Smith just put this out there. Uh, EJ Smith who covers the Eagles for the Inquirer. Jack Driscoll yesterday, Derek, uh, allowed a team high eight pressures versus New York, according to Pro Football Focus. I believe it. Yeah, the last Eagles offensive lineman with eight pressures allowed in a single game was Jamon Brown Ooh. in 2020. You remember? I mean, they had all kinds of injuries. Yeah. And, they oh, were just yeah. throwing guys in there at that point. Yep. <clears throat> That's bad. I mean, he didn't play the whole game. When did Lane go down? The second? I don't uh, know. It was late, late was, first? Second was the second. Whatever it was. I mean, yeah. the fact that it was that <laughs> that bad. I, and I get it. If he has a full week to prepare, I'm sure he won't be struggled to that degree. However, okay, to answer your question, I'm not trying to duck it. I, I, I think that this week's going to be a massive test for a secondary that is down and is depleted. I, yes. I, 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 the Eagles are two and a half point favorites, but that tells you that's a bit of a coin toss with. Wait, 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 wait a minute. The Eagles are two and a half point favorites right now. Yes. I'm shocked. I am. I was a little surprised. I'm shocked. Uh, I was a little surprised myself. Uh, I, I don't know how how much some of that when it's two and a half with the home team, it usually means it's kind of a toss up game. Yeah. I could see yeah. that line easily moving to in favor of the Do uh, the Dolphins being a favorite by the end of the week, by the time they kick it off. Once, but, once we get a better gauge in some of these injuries. Yes, especially if Lane Johnson's out. I think that will go to the Dolphins being the favorite, in my mm. opinion. Um, so I think this week's really hard no matter what, even if Lane's healthy. 
I, I think it, it, it'll probably be ugly in a battle, but I think they'll win in Washington. I don't know. Dallas is a coin toss because for whatever Dak's shortcomings are, it seems like against other teams, he plays the Eagles really well. Yes, he does. He's eight and three against the Eagles. Yeah. And then, you know, then it's the bye. And then you look at what's after that, man. It's at Kansas City on a uh, Monday night. Uh, it's, it's Buffalo here. And although, you know what? Let me just say this. Buffalo's Buffalo's good, but they're they're not world. Yeah, people. they're not. You know, they lost to Jacksonville in London, and they almost they should have lost their game to the Giants last yeah. night. Yeah, Tyrod Taylor and the Giants should have beaten them last night. And yes. and, and they kind of got – the Giants got jobbed on that last play. Darren Waller is getting help. Yeah. They're, they're pulling his left arm down, and he's – you know. Yes. So, anyway. but So, that's not as impossible as it looks. You know, San Francisco, depending on their injuries, because McCaffrey and Debo went down. But that's a way off. That's week 13. Mm-hmm. That's a really tough game. Then you have to go to Dallas, go to Seattle. Seattle's going to be maybe, you know, battling for a wild card spot. Absolutely. You know, potentially there. So that could be a really big game for them, a totally meaningful game for them. So, you know, I, I don't know, Derek. I mean, I is do I know that Slay's going to be ready to play next week? I don't know, no. you know, with that knee. I, I it, This seems to have been, for, for what was, I think, deemed not as big a deal with Sidney Brown, we're, we're, this thing's dragging on, what, three weeks now? Yeah, yeah. So there, there's a lot of issues here mm. <laughs> with the injuries, now, not not to mention just getting your act together as an offense. Now I've seen this in the chat, and I've seen I saw it a lot yesterday, right after um, the Eagles game. A lot of impulse reactions. Fire Brian Johnson. Are you there? Right. Are you there? No, no, absolutely not. No, 100. percent I'm not there. Um, no, you got to give this guy time, man. He's he's been a He's been an offensive coordinator in the NFL for six weeks, six games. Mm-hmm. No, no, absolutely not. Give him time. Let these guys figure it out. I think the bigger issue, I think there's two things. I, I don't know that he quite has a feel for red zone play calls, although they weren't as bad in the red zone yet, but I don't really love yesterday. I don't, I don't love what I'm seeing. Um, I think he and Nick need this and Jeff Stoutland and everybody else who's involved needs to scheme this thing up better against some of the looks that they're getting. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that the Eagles have counterpunched well enough this year. So no, I'm not ready. Look, if they if if they turn the ball over a ton and their scoring average dips, you know, a touchdown by the end of the year, then it's a discussion. It's way too premature for me. I'm not anywhere near that at this point. I'm with you. I'm with you. No. I just want to see what your perspective was. I, I'm with you. No. Uh, you know, when you turn the rain over to or to a guy who's who's not well versed in calling plays, but you have an offense that basically is self-contained, and the head coach as your mentor because this is his offense, you know you, you you're going to go through some growing pains, but you can disguise some of your deficiencies and some of your inconsistencies by the wealth of talent that you have at your disposal, and that's what they did up to this point. Right. Okay. So. You make mistakes, you were 5-0, and oh, you learn, you move on. To me, in terms of overall play calling yesterday, he regressed a little bit. Now, you can't put you can't put the turnovers on him. The players have the ball in their hands. You know, that's on the players. But in terms of how you orchestrated your offense with 55 dropbacks versus 22 runs against this Jets team that's depleted, and, of course, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt a Jets offense that was averaging 18 points a game can no way, shape, or form match you offensive firepower. 
I thought the game plan should have been a lot different in terms of how you attack the Jets to wear out their defense as much as you can and keep their limited offense on the field. I yeah. I just thought when you when I'm looking back on this, I'm like, I can't believe they only ran the ball 22 times against this Jets defense. 22 times. Yeah, yeah. That 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 to me is the part that I just say. Like that's also where I if if Brian Johnson's doing that on his own accord, if he's doing it by himself, yeah. that's where the head coach, who's also an offensive guy, has to step in and say, "Brian, we, we, listen, man, we need more balance. Yeah, we, we we you know we got to change this thing up. It's we're getting too predictable here. So I think they both wear it. You know, ultimately this is on Nick's watch. Whatever happens on the offensive side or the defensive side, and if he doesn't like what's going on, he needs to stop it. Now the flip side of that is. If Nick's the one who's driving this, then even more heat should be on Nick Sirianni. I, I just, I don't like it. And we know he does that from time to time. He'll jump in there and call a play or, you know, I, I, you know, get a feel for something maybe in a series and take it over. I don't know, but this was, this was unacceptable. 55 called passes to 14 carries cannot happen, especially against the team that even though they're talented coming in had allowed 134, 157, Yep. 204 and 139 last four games. Yeah. Teams mm. had run all over. Mm. That's bad. You know, that's bad. All right. Let, let's uh let's get a timeout. Let's go to let's look at the defense because I think getting lost in the shuffle here is they did a pretty nice job, all things considered. And the pass rush is what we hoped it would be, Derek. I mean, we yep. said this should be a four or five sack game, right? They got five yesterday. They got five. Yeah, so we they did their job, especially up front. So we'll talk about the defense when we come back. Don't go anywhere. That's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take, Jacob Sports YouTube Network. Let's talk about pro-action restoration. Because if you have a home, a business, a property you own, you go through the inconvenience of fire, smoke, mold damage, water damage, you name it, they can help. They're on call 24 hours, seven days a week. I, I personally went through it. I reached out to pro-action restoration. They got right out to my parents' house on a Saturday, cleaned it up, you know, diagnosed the problem. The price was right. The crew was incredible. And the, the beauty is, too, they are licensed, bonded, and fully insured. They've been serving the tri-state area for more than two decades. ProAction will work in conjunction with your insurance company also. So that's big. So it could be water, fire, smoke damage, mold remediation. But if there's something else and you're not quite sure, just reach out and, and get a consultation. 610-623-3760, 610-623-3760. That's how you reach them. You can also go online to uh, contact them. It's ProActionRestoration.com. That's ProActionRestoration.com. you own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428 267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger 
and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland. For innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Do you have that one piece of clothing you keep going back to, no matter how full your closet is? Having a versatile, high-quality favorite feels great, but having a whole closet of them feels even better. American Giant puts the quality, durability, and comfort they're famous for into everything, from T-shirts and jeans to sweatshirts and jackets, and of course, their legendary best hoodie ever. So you can fill your wardrobe with the pieces that will get you through your spring days. Like the lightweight joggers and pullovers in the French Terry collection, or the rich and polished premium slub crew tee. Whether you're dressing for work, the gym, or happy hour, American Giant makes something that's sure to be your next closet go-to. And it's all made in America and designed to last a lifetime. Find a closet staple for every part of your day at American-Giant.com. And get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com. Promo code STAPLE20. G-L-E-S Eagles Back. Yes, we are. Sports Day. Let's hit the like button if we could. Friends, we appreciate that. He's Derek. I am Rob. We're hanging out. We're talking Eagles as they lose for the first time this season. First time ever to the Jets. They were 12-0 and uh, against the New York Jets and they lose the game. A game they were Gunner, that line got up to like eight, eight and a half uh, before kickoff. So they were pretty yeah, rightfully so. Yeah, yeah, rightfully so. Yeah, is right. Um, Can you imagine the volume of money lost in that game yesterday. 
think about it between that game and and the Niners lose to PJ Walker. Yes. And, and look, I'm a Temple guy. I love PJ Walker, but that's who they that's who the Niners lost to too. It was it was one of those weird days. It really was. Uh Buffalo couldn't pull away from the from the Giants. Um there were yeah, there was a lot of money lost yesterday yesterday <laughs> uh for the for the folks out there. But yeah, we'll get into all that. Some of the other games that, that impact the Eagles. And again, tonight's game is a very good game. Cowboys are in LA taking on the Chargers. Chargers are coming off a bye. And the Cowboys, it seems like it was like three weeks ago, but it wasn't all that long ago when the Cowboys got embarrassed last Sunday night by the 49ers. So, you know, big game for the Cowboys to bounce back uh, if they could possibly do it. And if if the Chargers want to start establishing themselves as being real in the in the AFC West you know, start showing it a little bit here. You know? I, I think I think the Cowboys bounce back and win this game tonight. I, think, I do too. I think they have been seething all week long how they were embarrassed on national TV by the 49ers. And the fact that the Eagles gave them a gift to get back to within one game of them, that's all the motivation they need. You know, say what we want to say, you know, about Dallas. Now they're missing Trayvon Diggs and, and Leighton Vander Ash on that defense. They're going to put some heat on Justin Herbert tonight because he's still he's wearing that splint on his non-throwing hand, and you wonder how that's going to affect him taking snap counts. He's had all week to practice it, but it's still a little awkward when you get in the game and you got a, a pass rush like Dallas is coming at you that fast. Um, and can Justin Herbert stay upright, breathing the whole game? If he takes one, even with the splint on that thing, if he takes one good hit, mm-hmm. you know that thing. Who knows? He yeah. could be on the sideline. You don't you don't know. I just think Dallas is going to find a way to win this game and end up one game behind the Eagles again through six weeks. Well, I think the big thing, thing too, is if you're Dallas, even if you're not necessarily sacking him, if you're throwing him to the ground and he's got to use that hand, you know, to, to cushion himself on the ground, that's going to just inflict pain in there. You know, not that's the big thing, you know, with that injury. You know, even if they did that thing, you, you, you'll feel it. You'll feel it eventually. Yeah. Something won't feel right when you try to grip, when you go under center, something's not going to be right in there. And, could affect it could affect a lot of things in this in the Chargers offense. But but Rob, as I said, you know, for years, <coughs> the Chargers are their own worst enemies. Yeah. You know, every time you think they should be good, they're mediocre or bad. Look at their record right now, you know, through through five weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought they would be better than what they are. Um it, it doesn't it feel like Derek every year they're sort of battling for that you know, the sort of the bottom tier of the wild card or whatever, yes. Like if they're, if they're always that team, you know, and you'll watch them sometimes and be like, man, this team has a lot of talent. There's a lot of good players on this team. <laughs> Absolutely. But then, and there's other times where you're like, I don't like the coach. Let me be clear about that. But, but he, he just makes a lot of boneheaded decisions in my opinion, which ultimately cost them too. But there are times they just underachieve as a team. I don't know. Like they could come out tonight and look great. It wouldn't shock me, especially coming off a bye, but. I, I, I'm with you. Like I am, I, I think this is a Dallas game. I yeah, know. I, I expect it to be an entertaining game, but I think Dallas is going to. Dak is taking a lot of heat down in Dallas right now, you know, and rightfully so. He's taking a lot of heat. McCarthy's taking a lot of heat, and rightfully mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. There's, there's still, it still resonates, even though they're focused on the Chargers tonight. I guarantee you, the battle cry when they were in team meetings in LA, when they hit the field tonight, do not let happen tonight what happened last last week in prime time. Yep. That's going to be their battle cry. Yep. Well said. And well I got a, and I got a feeling they're going to find a way to pull this game up. Now the Chargers, the one thing about the Chargers defensively, they're going to bring it. They've got the defensive personnel. They're going to bring it. 
I just got a sneaky feeling somehow, some way, Dallas finds a way to get get the W in this game. Mm-hmm. I do too. All right, uh, Eagles defense. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give some props here. Let's start with this five sacks. Uh, let's start with Hassan Reddick, Derek. So um, Hassan Reddick over the last three games, and it's mm-hmm. not a coincidence. This is mm-hmm. since getting the cast off. Five and a half sacks. That's compared to zero for the first three. Like, yep. sorry, there's a direct correlation there. He gets the cast off, and all of a sudden he's back to the guy he was last year. Oh, yeah, you there? Yeah, yeah. What happened? Nothing. You didn't. Oh, you didn't I, I lost you for a second. Oh, okay, I, I was saying about um, a Reddick. Five yeah. and a half sacks last three games, zero first three games. Now the the. The difference there is he gets the cast off three games ago. He goes crazy. Before that, he had the cast on, and he looks just like the the player that we saw last year, who had what sixteen in the regular season. Um, the first and foremost, watch his move off the snap. When he attacks, he has this slap move where he slaps the the, the tackle's hands away from him, and then he makes his move to the inside or outside. And on a number of occasions, once he made that move to the outside. The tackle couldn't pivot himself enough to get back and prevent him from getting pressure on the quarterback. And even a few times he did, look at how close Reddick was to the quarterback where he's slapping at the ball. He's got this big 6'5", 6'6", tackle in front of him. He's slapping at the ball and just missing it by a fraction of inches. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Hassan Reddick is back, you know. And, and so what does he have now? Six in the last three? Five and a half over Five the last three. Five and a half three. in the last yep. three? Yep. Well, yeah, he's on his way to another double-digit season. Oh, there's no, no question. question. Yeah. yeah. Um, he, I think he sets the tone for that defense. Even as good as Jalen Carter is, I think Hassan Reddick is the one that sets the tone for that defense in terms of when, when teams step back to pass. You know, the luxury Reddick has now is you've got to cheat back to the inside to keep that 300 pound, 350 pound Mack truck, Jordan Davis, and that lightning fast rookie tackle from collapsing in the middle of the pocket, which means you're leaving. Reddick more in one-on-one situations with with offensive tackles, and most of the time he's going to win that battle. Even if he doesn't get to, even if he doesn't get the quarterback on the ground, the fact that it makes that quarterback hear footsteps coming and, and, and forces him to speed up what he wants to do, that's that's a win in a lot of cases for a defense. Yeah, uh, no, I, I listen. It is, it is in in, in some ways. Uh, all right, so. Um... I agree with the Eagles fan. Jordan Davis had a very good game. Yes. Uh, he was active. He was active in the run game, in the pass game. He got a half a sack with BG on that play, which I think was probably a little bit more of his sack, but whatever. Um, you know, that was good. To see him step up, especially with Carter out of there, you know, you know, obviously was critical. And he's he just continues to get better. He really does. He, he just continues to get better um, you know, each and every week. And you got to love where he's at right now. He's so... So much a different, so much of a different player than what he was last year. Well, I think two things. Number one, the tutoring he's getting um, from his mentor Fletcher Cox, who came back and played yesterday. Yep, who came back and played. Um, the coaching up he's getting from, I would say, as much Patricia as it is Desai as well. Um, and I think he understands that. Hey, look, man, you were a high first round draft pick. A lot of people are doubting you. That's weekly motivation for him. Yeah. You know? And when you're in a rotation like what you have and you don't have to play, you think about how many defensive um, tackles and ends have to play the majority of games every game because the drop-off is significant. 
On this D-line, you don't. You can get those breathers and not have to worry about it being a significant drop-off. And when you get back in there, you're fresher than offensive linemen, and it shows. And, of course, when you're 350 pounds, you know, going up against some of these guards and centers, it's not a fair fight, Mm -hmm. you know. You look at how many times – there was one play yesterday where Jordan Davis broke through, and you see the the offensive guard on one knee trying to block him. Jordan Davis just bowled right over him. Yeah. You know. And that's, that kind of power and strength um, from, from the middle of the interior of that defensive line is, is worth its weight in gold to, to allow so many others in the umbrella to do th- different things. I mean, but getting pressure a lot of times, just getting pressure isn't enough because we've also seen in, against Mac Jones, against um, Baker Mayfield, when you get pressure, but the quarterback can slide up or to his left and right and still deliver a strike, pressure means nothing. Mm-hmm. You got to get hits on guys. You got to get hits and make those guys feel you every time you step back to pass. You know, you know they went into the game yesterday tied for the league league in QB pressures with 90. I'm curious to see how many total they had yesterday. But it looks good in the stats. But when you're going to be facing the likes of Mahomes, Gino, Josh Allen, yeah, you know, don't mean nothing unless you get you swiping the ball out of hand and getting them on the ground. Yeah, exactly. Agreed, agreed. Uh, Other guys who racked up, I mentioned Brandon Graham got a half a sack. He got on the board. Milton Williams had a half a sack, and Josh Sweat. Josh Sweat, I think, has been really good the last few weeks. Um, No surprise there, but he ended up getting a sack. was was very effective. But, you know, they uh, yesterday, so you lose blanket ship. To, and, again, the, the, you, sometimes you hear ribs and you're like, ah, it's fine. You know, he already missed a game because of ribs. Yes. And, and, and he leaves yesterday's game. I couldn't tell if it was initially shoulder or clavicle or ribs yeah. or whatever. They, they deemed it ribs. So he leaves the game. Um, at, you know, during various times, like Eli Ricks was in and out of there. Like there was, there was a lot of moving parts back there mm. in the secondary. I don't know. There is a school of thought out there, Derek, that they went conservative with Jalen Carter and Darius Slay because they thought they could probably get past the Jets. I don't know that that's the case. That's not. I'm not saying that. I'm just telling you. I got. I got a bunch of that last night from people. I. I don't know. Uh, I. I don't know about that one. Um, yeah. um it, It's a nice cover-up story, but I, I don't. I don't think that was the case at all. Uh, to be honest with you. Okay. You know, um, I I think the Eagles fully tried to play their scheme the best that they could considering the situation and the way players were dropping like flies, um, bringing players in and out. They did the best they could possibly could. From a defensive perspective, it was still good enough to win that game for them. They held the Jets to 12 points. You You hold any team in the National Football League to 12 points, you have more than done your job as a defense. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you give up 400 yards of offense. If you hold them up to 12 points, four field goals, you have more than done your job. And any offense that's average or better should be able to complete the mission. I agree I, with you. I, yeah, yeah that, again, this is um, this is not on the defense. It's not on Sean Desai. I, actually, in fact, I think Sean Desai is doing a nice job just piecemealing the way that he is right now. I do too. You know, your, your offense let you down. There's no other way, but the coaches let you down. The players let you down. The quarterback let you down. The, the people who should have been bailing you out along the way, Devontae Smith let you down. There were a lot of guys other than A.J. Brown, you, you know, they're, they're most most of the players wear this thing. You know, I, 
I can I am I going to kill Jack Driscoll? No. no. Um, you know, Suo Pettis stepped in and done a nice job, but you're down two guys on that side now. Yes. If that, that's going to catch up to you. Mm. It just is. And there's only so much that Kelsey and Mylotta and and Landon Dickerson can do. Uh, and 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 you saw what was happening. You know, it's other start. The other thing I'm starting to notice too is with Jalen. He's rolling a lot to his right again, which was something he did a couple of years back. It feels like he's maybe by default sort of falling back into that a little. You know why? Because Mylotta's not been as rock solid as you thought. Think about it. Mylotta's been inconsistent as well. Yeah. He hasn't been rock solid on that left side. True. You know, True. so now you're down two people, possibly two people on the right side, and your left tackle is not as consistent. What is Halen, what's Jalen going to do? Think about how many times the Jets squeezed him in the pocket. Somehow yeah. he slips through and floats to the outside and makes a play. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You'll see more of that. Yeah. You know, for a while, I thought the Jets over-pursued Jalen on a number of plays that allowed him to float to the outside. You know, <clears throat> we were talking about how edge rushers, the first several games, would attack Jalen to a point and hold their ground and force Jalen to make a decision, and there was no lanes for him to run through. I thought the Jets over-pursued coming off the edges, which allowed him to step up and get away. Um, but in the final analysis, they, they, they I think that, I really think the Jets' defense rattled Jalen. I really do. I, I, I yeah. yeah, sorry. I do, too. I think he was shook. I do. I think he, I think what, look, and it's, it's only human nature. When you're getting pressured as much as he was pressured yesterday, to a degree, you start to see ghosts sometimes. And I think on a couple of those throws, especially the, the interception, he had time and he, you shouldn't be throwing off your back foot when you have a clean pocket that you can step into and, 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 you know, drive the ball. And he didn't, Uh, you know, it was off the back foot. So yeah, that's what, look, that's why the edge rushers get paid the big bucks. You there get you to a quarterback, man. You can affect them even if you're not sacking them. And and Jalen was affected yesterday. You know, I think uh, our friend and colleague Mark Frazetta said it best when he brought it up on our post game show last night. If you go back to last season and through the first five games of this season, there were a couple of times on Sunday they show ISO shots of Jalen sitting Jalen sitting on a bench, who looked disheveled, bewildered. Like, he didn't know what was going on. And, and, and Mark said, I have not – that's the first time I've seen that look on Jalen since 2021. And I couldn't disagree with him because it's true. I've never – you know, usually you see Jalen when stuff like that happens. He looks frustrated, focused. He looked he looked, uh, looked uh, bewildered yesterday. Yeah, he did. Like he was lost. Yeah. You know. He did. We haven't seen that look. We didn't see it last year. No, even in that game they lost against Washington. No, yeah, right. You're no, you're right about that. I, I guess one of the things I wanted to ask you is, how do you approach next week in this sense? Do you look to, to sort of take the air out of the ball and run, run, run to keep Tua off the field? I mean, do, do you go with the game plan that you had, or, or whatever you, you the, the game plan you went to against Tampa? or Minnesota where you're running the ball and you have like a, a full quarter of time of possession advantage over them, or do you just attack the best way you, you, you know how and, and not, you know, do the, do that kind of uh, thing. I, I think the best way to try to control Miami is to, to run the ball. Yeah. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. 
and Miami's giving up 115 yards a game rushing. Well, Jets were giving up 146. How did that work out? I think I got a bad feeling the Eagles are going to try to shoot out with this game, with this yeah. team. I, I got a bad feeling. You, you, you do that, you're not winning. I'll, I'll tell you right now. If they do you that, they're not going to win. Yeah, with Miami. It's not going to happen. You're you know? feeding right into what they want you to do. Absolutely. You're putting the ball up in the air. You're stopping the clock. Every complete pass, you're stopping the clock. You're giving a chance. You're giving them a chance to get back on the field. Um, and especially when you're playing with a banged up secondary like this team, <clears throat> why would you do that? I got a bad feeling we're going to be sitting here talking about Monday about what were they thinking, trying to throw the ball pass play for pass play with this Miami team. Mm-hmm. You know, A.J. Brown and, and Devontae Smith are ex- very good receivers. You're talking about a whole nother level of receivers in Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle right now. You know, and who's the same? Miami's approach may be the same thing. If they can mix their run, they, they got Raheem Moser, and he ain't no slouch. If, if they control the clock, then your offense is not getting on the field. Right. Yeah. You know? Right. I mean, look, we've talked about this a lot this year, Derek. Miami is not just a passing offense. No. I mean, it's not even it's not even close. In fact, I mean, they are a team. I'm going to pull it up right now. I believe they're number one in rushing. Um, They are. You know, Miami's averaging on the ground 181 (laughs) yards per game on the ground. The Eagles are number two, Derek, and they're 31.8 yards less per game. Eagles average 150. Miami's 181.8. And they did it last yesterday without Akane, the, oh, the, the, the young kid. Oh. You know, and Mostert is, has just turned into a beast. You know why? Because teams are scared to death of, of taking away Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. And yep. you're not getting, you know, nine in the box or whatever. You're, you're, and they have a good offensive line. This is a tough team, man. This team's problematic they're facing this week. You know, and again, you know, we, we say all this now on Monday. Who knows? You know, who knows? Maybe the Eagles come back at home, ticked yep. off, stock the world. Who knows? Yep. yep. Hope so. We so we're having a happy, happy joy, joy show. But as we sit here right now and haven't seen Miami play a couple of times this year, doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. I mean, well, yeah. yeah. I, and and just to just to piggyback on that uh, thought, so they ran for 162 um, this past week on Carolina. Carolina's not good. You know, and Carolina, in fact, is. Winless. In fact, Frank Reich's turning over the play calling duty to Thomas Brown. So they're they're trying to shake something up there in yeah. Carolina. Which, whatever. That's fine. I mean, the, the point is, I don't care who it's been against. Like JM always wants to point out that the numbers are skewed because they they crushed the Broncos. First of all, they played the Broncos. And if they put up crazy numbers against the Broncos, that's the way it works. But it's not just against the Broncos. They they do this kind of thing most weeks. So anyway. Um hey, look, I, I just Buffalo put up 48 on them and held them to 20. Buffalo did a great job on them. So anything's possible. Yeah. If I'm the Eagles, I go back to that Buffalo game. I not even I, I I'm not even looking at, at Miami's last two games. I want to know what Buffalo did defensively to hold that team to 20 points. That's that's the that's exactly the blueprint. You 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 are living on that Buffalo tape and that's the big thing. Um yeah, but again, JM keeps talking three for just a real quick. He's obsessed with the Broncos game. Understood. But the first off, the Dolphins were out there playing against the Broncos, number one. Yeah. And as I just pointed out, they ran for 163 this week. It didn't just happen in the Broncos game. Anyway, um, yeah, th- look, there's no question, Derek. That's the game you're looking at. The other thing is if you have a pass rush, in theory, 
you, you can nullify an offense. You, you know, can. And, and I'm not in any way, shape, or form endorsing this, but we know to his injury history, if you get to him, you know, for sure. Um, here's the, the other thing's troubling. So the lack of takeaways, Derek. Eagles are now minus one through yep. six games. Yep. So last three games, zero takeaways, five giveaways. The, you you want to find a reason why you're going to lose and struggle in games. It's that stat right there. Any coach will start and finish with turnovers. Absolutely. Anyone you talk to, they're not taking it away. Some of that is their secondary is depleted. I understand. But but the giveaways, five in, in the last two weeks, unacceptable. Um, but, they're, but they're not as veteran laden as, you know, I'm not surprised. They're not as veteran laden as they were last year. It's it's a part of that maturation process, you know. Um, you you had a you had a group of guys who knew what to look for, how to take the ball away. You have a bunch of guys now on the back side, back end, learning how to do it at this level. Doing it at the college level is one thing; at the pro level, completely different. And now you're going to try to do it against uh, this Tua, who only has thrown five interceptions this year, but he has 14 touchdown passes. I think if there's ever a week, you know, we talk about. Why do these Eagle DBs play five, seven, eight yards off these wide receivers just to keep everything in front of them? I would go so far as to say trying to get turnovers against Tua is going to be near impossible because they're so concerned about keeping Waddle and, and, and Tyreek in front of them. Yep, I honestly exactly. do. Yeah. You know, um, Tua's only been sacked six times in six games. He gets it out quick. I mean, he he not to say they don't make big plays down the field, they do. Right. But he he is a guy who gets the ball out very quickly. Like Mike McDaniel has has catered this off as he should, as every good coach should, to to his strengths. He he was he made it a point to 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 play. Even you saw it last year. His numbers were great until he started getting hurt last mm. year. They they really were. So um, you know th- that's the other thing. You're dealing with a guy who's really cutting edge in, in terms of his ability to create good offense. He's got a McVeigh feel to him. You know, a couple of years ago. It really okay. does. And, and, and think about this. Miami has 29 pass plays of 20 or more yards. What's the size thinking right now? As you start to pre- keep First them in all, front of you, keep them in front go. of you. There you yeah. go. So what yeah. happens? You give up all the underneath stuff in the world. Yeah. You could be bled to death. If you're getting it. it, it, it I remember Aaron Rodgers was a two, three years ago was just zip, 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 zip. Yep. And he took it. And and he marched them down the field, you know, and that's you could very well see the very same thing. I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, if, if this this this, I, I don't. I'd be shocked. I mean, they're going to have to at some point. The DBs are going to have to come up and challenge the receivers. You're going to have to, especially in down situations where you're going to send extra attackers and try to force Tua to make a decision sooner or try to get him on the ground. Hasn't worked for many teams this year. No, because they have a counter. They have a counter for everything that you're doing. You know, Mike McDaniel's has, has been brilliant this year in terms of play calling and stuff. He really has. He's been awesome. Um, this is why. And look, Derek, I keep saying it, and I and I will continue to do so. I still think Howie makes a trade. Really? I do. I, yeah, I think he makes a trade. I do. I, I think he brings somebody in here from 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 the secondary. I mean, if you think about it, at, at the further we get along here before the trade deadline, there's more teams that are just showing you they're done. Like the Patriots are cooked. They're done. They lost again mm-hmm. yesterday. They're one and five. Denver's cooked. They're one and five. The Giants, let's face it, they're cooked. I know I don't know that you make a trade with the Giants. I don't think they're going to, they're going to want to help you, but whatever. Bears lose again yesterday. They're one and five. Carolina's 0 oh and six. 
Arizona's one and five. Like these are the teams yep. that you're they're, they're the fields you're going to be mining to try and get somebody in here. Well, Howie went out and got himself two D tackles to help against the run last year. You're right. I'm not ruling out the possibility of a trade with the um, the trade deadline coming up. You know, I wouldn't put anything past Howie to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, and, and I think he's sitting there right now. What do we need to do? How can we do it without it hurting us for the draft next year? Mm-hmm. Because you're going to have to give up some kind of commodity to get these guys. What are you willing to get up get, uh, to give up to get this team where you want it to be to secure the back end of that defense? Yeah, I agree. Willing to give up. And then if you bring in the help, it's going to stagnate the growth of these young guys. But right now, it's more important to win than anything else. Yeah, because they're in win-now mode. Like, I get it. And, and the thing is, it, I, I don't know um, – I'm sure there's some guys they really – like, I think they really believe in Sidney Brown and some of the other guys. But I don't know I agree. That, they're, that they're not just trying to get by with some other guys, you know. So I don't know that they're worried about them uh, as much. All right, let's come back, Derek, and we'll set our sights on the NFL and everything that went down yesterday. And We will begin uh, with the 49ers. I didn't see this one coming. Losing to the Browns with P.J. Walker quarterbacking them yesterday. So we'll talk about that and everything that went down in the NFL, including last night's game with the Giants. All right, we'll do that when we get back. He's Derek. I'm Rob. We are Sports Take. I'm going to tell you right now about Flynn Tree Services. Yes, Flynn Tree Services is an experienced, licensed, and insured Pennsylvania tree services company that will trim or remove any unwanted trees off of your property. They offer cost-effective solutions to any tree problem that you may face. Um, and they are experts trimming all types of trees, and they serve southeastern Pennsylvania, South Jersey, as well as northern Delaware. Um, You go to their Facebook or Instagram page for more information or a sampling of their work. Give Flynn Tree Services a call at 610-850-2848. 610-850-2848 or online at flynntreeservices.com. That's flynntreeservices.com. own a company and you're not producing a podcast you're missing out the public consumes messaging when they're ready join the professional podcast network of companies and let jacob media partners put you in the podcast arena come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast call jacob media right now at 267-261-3428-267-261-3428 my name is dr bruce grossinger and I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675.
and save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Appreciate you hanging out with us on this Monday as we lick our wounds as the <laughs> Eagles go down uh, for the first time this season. All right, so let, let's go to the Niners here, Derek. This is the earlier game, the 1 o'clock game um, in Cleveland. Uh, the Sean Watson still out uh, with the shoulder, which there's controversy there because he, their, their medical people have cleared him, but he just doesn't feel like the shoulder's up to snuff. So he was not dressed for the game. Uh, and they went with P.J. Walker over the young kid, uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Yep. And P.J. Walker did a pretty nice job for them. He hung in there. Um, certainly during the game, a couple of big injuries here. Christian McCaffrey goes down with an oblique. Debo gets uh, injured as well, a shoulder. Before the game, Debo was involved in a, in a scuffle uh, yeah. On, yeah. In the it, during the warm-ups. And, you know, things got kind of nasty there. But anyway, those two guys uh, get hurt. Purdy throws his first pick in a in a in a tough spot there. For them, loses his first regular season game. First regular season game, and they actually had an opportunity still to win it yep. uh, at the end of the game. But their rookie kicker, uh, Jake Moody, misses the, the the field goal wide right, and they lose. They lose for the first time. Uh, that was that was a wow tough one to to swallow if you're a Niner fan. <laughs> Well, it was a rainy, nasty day, uh, and, and, and I'm going to tell you something. We, we talked about this. That Cleveland defense is good. Yeah, they are. And they kept Miles pressure. Garrett's everywhere, man. Oh, my goodness. They kept pressure on Bert, Purdy all day. And when he lost both Debo and McCaffrey, you know, um, that made the job even tougher. I mean, Purdy was 12 of 17 for a buck 25. Hmm. One touchdown, one interception. He was sacked three times. Um McCaffrey had only ran for – show you how tough the sledding was. He only ran for 43 yards and 11 carries. Yeah, before he, he went down, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, he had one long run of 27 yards, so he broke out of the gates. But the receivers, they shut – Jawan Jennings. Uh, the, the, the Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk, well, Ayuk had four catches for 76, but still, they shut the receiving game down. Mm-hmm. They gave them nothing, yeah. you know. Um if 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 Cleveland can get the quarterback situation settled down, man, they, they're not just going to compete for a wild card spot. They have a good chance to compete for that division title because as we look at it right now, Baltimore is not a dominant team like we thought they were. Um, New England, uh, not New England, Cincinnati won. They're getting back there, but they're not. They're still struggling to find it, and sure. so are the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Steelers are the same way. That division is wide open. There's no dominant team right now in that division. 
And in Cleveland, man, with the weapons they have, and Amari Cooper, Kareem Hunt, David Njoku, Elijah Moore, even that young running back they have, Jerome Ford. I mean, jeez, they are loaded. Um, but they've got to get this quarterback situation settled. They really do. Yeah, I agree. And, and, I, yeah. Deshaun, Deshaun with the shoulder thing, you don't know how long he's going to be out, man. Yeah, you don't. And that, and there's that, there's frustration there because they feel like he was ready to go. But you're right. I mean, when you have that kind of defense, Amari Cooper made some plays yesterday for them uh, where he came up big. Uh, yeah, it was, uh, you know, I, some similarities here. You know, San Fran banged up, sort of let the, the a little bit of a lesser – Cleveland's better than the Jets. But you, you let Cleveland hang around, you know, and eventually it gets you. And it got him. So the, the so here's the way things set up right now, Derek, in terms of um, league standings. Okay, if you look at it from from our conference standings, let's let's go that way. So Eagles five and one, San Francisco five and one, Detroit five and one. Then then you drop off into Tampa, who lost yesterday to Detroit, yeah. three and two. Seattle lost, also three and two. Dallas playing tonight at three and two. And then yep. everybody else is either three and three or below five hundred. So, yep. um, yeah, it was a it was a golden opportunity for the Eagles to really separate themselves. They didn't, but you're right, and we talked about this a little bit in the pre-show. Detroit's got to be in every conversation now. We can't just do the Eagles 49ers thing. Right now, Detroit has the fifth, uh, fourth ranked offense. They're yep. averaging almost three hundred eighty-five yards a game. They are number five in passing, number nine in rushing, and number four in scoring at 28 points a game. Defensively, the seventh, they're, they're, they're giving up only 221 yards a game passing. They're number one against the run, giving up 64.7 yards a game. They're ninth in, in points allowed at 18.8. You know, D- Detroit has not allowed a team to rush for 100 yards on them this season. Really? No, I didn't Two, two opponents, Kansas City. And Carolina were the only teams to reach 90 yards. The other two, the other four teams rushing against them: Seattle, 82 yards; Atlanta, 44 yards; Green Bay, 27 yards; Tampa Bay, 46 yards. Hmm. And they have 15 quarterback sacks. Aiden Hutchinson is playing out of his mind. No, and all the, the the players, and all they got to do, all we have to do is give the ball back to the offense, and they'll take care of itself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Detroit's balling. Well, what's his name? Had a great catch too. Yes, James Williams had a great catch yeah. yesterday, yeah. and and Amon, Amon Ross St. Brown came back. Yep, for them. So they're dangerous. They are. That's a good team. Um, yeah, they're 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 gonna they're gonna run away with that North. They they're they're gonna run oh, away. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. My yeah. Packers pick is look not looking good. Uh, I will just say that. Not I to tell good. you, you wouldn't listen to me. True. You, true. You wouldn't listen. Uh, it's true. Um, all right. So beyond that, um, let's look, let's look at the NFC East here. Let's go to last night first. The Giants lose to the Bills. I, I'll actually give the Giants credit here, even though I'm, I'm not. I don't, I don't generally do that. Uh, I thought they hung in there. I, you know, there was a play at the end of the first half where apparently there were two plays as an option: one a pass, one a throw. You had no timeouts left, with about 14 or 15 seconds left. Right on the, I think they were on the two or the one, and and Tyrod Taylor elects to go with the run play. Yeah, Saquon doesn't get in; they run out of time. And you could see, I thought Dable was just going to blow a gasket. There were like veins coming out of his neck, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. coming off the sideline. Clearly, Tyrod should have should have audible to the to the pass. Didn't happen. That cost him at least three, maybe seven points. 
Then they come down to the very end of the game. Yep. And they're right on the doorstep after a pass interference call. And they run a play for Darren Waller, who gets held in the process. It doesn't get called. Game ends. And they lose. Um, but they they played pretty well in that game. I give a lot of credit. In Buffalo, with the Bills coming off a loss, Giants showed some heart, at least, in that game. Yeah, I thought it was going to be I thought it was going to be a, a landslide Buffalo win, yeah. especially after Buffalo coming off that loss over in London at Jacksonville. So, you know, these guys aren't quitting. They had Saquon back who had 24 carries for 93 yards and yeah. he broke one off for like 34 yards on a run. Uh, Tyrod didn't play a bad game. He completed 24 out of 36. He hung in there. Um this this team did everything they could. I mean, they held Josh Allen to 169 yards passing. Mhm. Which is hard to do, you know. So they came in a fight, and they picked they picked Allen off once. They gave Buffalo everything they could. It just fell short, and I have no problem with that last play call. Darren Waller six six, and he was a matchup against a DB that was barely six foot of that. Yeah, the ball was just a little bit high. You know, Tyrod should have threw it down just a little bit further, but you know the throw was a little bit off. Um, I will say this: as bad as it's been for the Giants. They're still fighting tooth and nail, and eventually, they're going to get it right. They're going to get it right. Now, I'm not, they're not a playoff team, but they're going to get it right. And I hope it's not against you know who. Well, yeah, I mean, I I think when it comes to when it comes just real quick with the Giants here, their issues are their offensive line is really bad and really hurt. Yeah. And they threw Justin Pugh in there, and he did actually did a really good job for them. But like, how long is that going to hold up? Um, well, he played guard one game and tackle the next game for him. Well, and and last night he played guard and tackle. They had to move yeah. him around because guys went down. Yeah. Um, but they're just they're they're done. I mean, their season's over. They're one in five already. You know, I mean, they're in terms of the playoffs, they, they, there's no chance. And even Saquon last night, I give him credit. He was gutting it out. But there was yeah. a couple times he had to come out. The ankle was killing him. Uh, a couple of times, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough sledding because they're you know so um, Saquon dependent. Well, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Well, I lost you for a minute. You went black. Screen went, screen went black for a minute. Okay. Um, give Saquon all the credit in coming back on that ankle injury. Um, but he, he looked good. He looked like Saquon of old. And look how different the Giants' offense is when he's running the ball out of the backfield. Yeah. You know. It's a much better offense behind a porous offensive line and now playing with a backup quarterback. But Saquon has that element to where you have to cheat wherever he is on the field, which allows you to do other things. I still can't believe at this stage of the season they haven't found a way to get the ball more frequently than Jalen Hyatt, the speedster they have. You know, you've got to incorporate this young man. He made a great catch on their last drive over the middle. He got smoked, too, when he caught it. It was a really nice play. Yep. Yeah, this, this kid can flat out burn, mm-hmm. and they can't get him the ball. I think he had three catches last night. Yeah. Um, you know, so I understand Dabo's frustration. You know, the game's right there for the taking. Yeah. And a couple of bad decisions, a couple of bad plays cost you that game. They, Giants played their hard time. It's all they could do. You know, I at agree. least they walked up the field respectable instead of getting blown out. Yeah. Uh, all right, so you mentioned the Commanders played a good game uh, over the Falcons, played well. Um, yeah. you know, Brian Robinson, I thought had a, had a big game. I thought Sam Howell did a nice job. He's still getting sacked a ton, but he did a nice job. I thought yesterday, you know, kind of some short passing game that worked well for them. And, 
their defense stepped up with some big picks too on Desmond Ritter. That's really, and they said it during the broadcast. It's the first time Desmond Ritter's lost a home game as a starter in college or the pros. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they came out, dude. Sam Howell has already been sacked 34 times in six games. Yeah. I mean, he, I, I don't know. Like if this keeps up, first of all, I don't know how he survives. Right. But if the, if it keeps up, He's going to be a mess by the end of the year. He's going to be a happy feet mess by the end of the year, for sure. The thing is, you know, we talked about his athleticism uh, coming into the season. We didn't know what he would look like. And, he, man, he played a good game against the Eagles. He's, he's still, with that said, completing 68% of his passes. Now, he's got nine touchdowns and six picks because he's under so much duress. But you can't keep allowing this kid to get sacked 34 times. His, his sack numbers have looked like this, 5-5-5. Five, five, five. Let's start with the first game. 6-4-9, and the last three games, 5-5-5. Five, five, five. That's you, not sustainable. It's just, I mean, obviously, it's not. Dude, yeah. seriously. I mean, yesterday against Atlanta, he was sacked five times, but his QB rating was still 119.7 because of his athleticism. Three touchdowns and no picks under that kind of pressure. Mm-hmm. And he still found a way to will his team to win. Yeah. So we're finding out that this unknown commodity, Sam Howell, is better than we may have thought he was. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just now you've got to protect him better or he won't be able to reach the finish line this season. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Uh, hey, let me circle back real quick to the Bills game. So you, if you saw a pretty serious injury, Damian Harris, the running oh, back. Yeah. yeah. Good, good news. Uh, went to the local hospital last night. He's got full movement, all of the, his extremities, mm. uh, suffered uh, what Jordan Schultz is reporting to be a next spring, excuse me, next spring, but otherwise is good. Um, so uh, that looked like it could be a lot worse. So they think he's going to be, you know, eventually okay. I don't know about playing in anytime soon, but they, they think he's going to be full recovery kind of deal. So that's good. Those things are so frightening, man. Those scenes when the guy's strapped down and the whole nine, man, it's just with the neck brace on. It's, it's just awful. Um, yeah. So look, we touched on it. Cowboys Chargers tonight. That's going to be a fun game. What a, what a great remote night tonight is between the Phillies and the and the Monday night game. It's a, it's a great sports night tonight, you know for sure. So, so um, are, you, are you going to do the same thing? You watch one on your TV and one on your phone. Phillies are on the main on the flat screen, and the laptop is going to be uh, Monday night football. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yep. I'll be back and forth, uh, and I'll also when the Phillies go to break, I'll flip the, the football on the big screen too. Yeah. Um, Dolphins won 42, 21, five and one in the season. Mostert, uh, 115 on the ground, 6.8 yards per carry, two touchdowns. Gunner, let's get into Tyree kill. So six more catches for a buck 63 and a touchdown yesterday. He's now got 814 receiving yards through six games. Um, he might, he might get to that plateau. He's trying to get to, which is two grand. He said two grand and. Are you going to are you going to okay? Are you going to snicker at him right now? No, the way he's playing. No, I'm absolutely not. Eight hundred no. yards in six games. The, the, you know what the key to him? The key to him is going to be Tua staying healthy. Tua stays healthy, he can do this. Oh, pff, with, without a doubt, this dude, yeah. this dude would, would probably be over a thousand yards in eight games oh, with yeah. nine more to play. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding For sure. me? For sure, yeah. If he stays healthy and the amount of targets he gets, you know, that's the other thing. Like he's clearly dwarfed Waddle. I like Waddle a lot, but he's clearly dwarfed Waddle. Like I, I would, 
Yeah, our producer Tone said he's on pace right now for 2,300 yards, 17 touchdowns. Yeah, 2,300 yards. Insanity. It's pure insanity. Yeah. Oh my! And he said he said after the game, um, I think they played a game in Miami yesterday. Yes. He he exerts so much physical energy. He got six IVs during the game. Six. Oh my God. Six IVs. <laughs> Can you still put up those kind of numbers? Oh, man. That's oh, a lot of IVs. That's a lot of IVs. All right. Uh, yeah, so they – I don't think you'll need six here. It won't be hot enough to need six here. Uh, no, no. And it's a Sunday night game, by the way. Um, so oh. there you go. Um, all right, beyond that, so a couple other games of note, uh, interesting games. Lions, we talked about, they took care of business against Tampa. Their defense right. really – uh, shut down Tampa's de- uh, offense. Tampa was coming off a bye. Uh, Detroit now really starting to get into a groove and just playing really good football. Um, they have won four straight, Derek, at this point. Let me give you some Detroit numbers just so you know kind of what's going on with them. You mentioned some things a little bit earlier, but um, Goff is having a very good year so far. 11 touchdowns to three interceptions and a 105.1 passer rating, completing almost 70% of his passes. Yep. So he's been good. David Montgomery was an excellent signing for them. Um, 385 yards on the ground, more than four yards per carry, and he's gotten in the end zone six times. Mm. So he's he's playing well. I'm on Ross St. Brown after missing last week, uh, came back, had a good game. He he's again, you know, as you would expect, this guy's the real deal. 38 catches, 455 yards, three touchdowns. Josh Reynolds has really come into his own, had a great block too on St. Brown's uh touchdown run. One more thing on them. The yeah. the rookie Sam Laporta, the tight end, he's yeah. he's legit. He's legit. Yeah. So where did he get this kid from? Iowa. Iowa is like a tight end factory, man. He is, man. They 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 put him out there, man. That is for sure. So um, yeah, he, he's been a he's been a good player for them. And you mentioned a couple of the guys they have on defense. They can get after the quarterback. Uh that much is for sure. Aiden Hutchinson has four and a half already, but they're more of a collective bunch, you know, beyond that. But good. I mean, they're they're good. Yeah, you know, they're 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 a dangerous, dangerous team. Okay, beyond that, uh, the Bengals look like they're starting slowly but surely to bounce back into form. It wasn't pretty, wasn't a work of art, but that's a good win over Seattle. That's not an easy easy win for them, and they and they got it yesterday. No, they they played it at home, and 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 they're still finding their way. And the bottom line is, it, it's always better to find your way when you're when you're in a W and not an L. And, you know, this dude, Jamar Chase, it, you know, we talk about sick wide receivers. Yeah. Jamar Chase is ridiculous. Yeah. You know, and, and Burrow, se- and, you know, cross your fingers. Burrow seems to be this calf injury is not bothering him as much now right. as it was in the past. You know, when you look at Cincinnati, this was a team, as much as they love to throw the football, they like to have a better balance with their running game. They have Joe Miss, Mix, Mixon and Chase Brown. They only ran the ball for 46 yards yesterday, yeah. and uh, Joe Burrow had four yards. So technically, the running backs ran for 40, 42 yards yesterday <laughs> on 13 carries. They only and you ran still the ball, won. yeah, and yeah. You still won. Yep. You know, you know, you held a really good Seattle offense to 13 points. Geno Smith threw for 323, but he threw three, uh, th- uh, two picks, mm-hmm. and he was sacked four times. You know, so the defense stepped up and bailed that offense out, but. It looks like they're slowly turning that corner. You know, Cincinnati's now at 500, you know. 
They were below sea level. Now they're back at 500. You know, this is what they did last year. They yeah. started out below sea level, and all of a sudden, things started turning for them. You know, so so keep keep your eye on Cincinnati. But again, I say right now, as we look at it, that division is not a lock for Cincinnati to win or Baltimore for that matter. Uh, let's run through some quarterback injuries, Derek. So uh, Trevor Lawrence uh, is going to have tests done on his knee. He says he feels okay, uh, but he injured his knee. And they're gonna they're gonna get further testing today. He said it's just bruised. Yep. He's feeling okay. Uh, stop short of saying he'd be able to play Thursday night. The problem is they got the quick turnaround uh, playing yep. the Saints on Thursday night. Um, but they they ended up winning thirty seven to twenty. Uh, but he's a little bit banged up. He was hurt on a third and seven play um, at the Colts sixteen with three ten left. He faked the pitch to uh, to Travis Etienne. He rolled left yep. and got chased down. Uh, you know and tackled. So grabbed his knee, but. I don't know that it's as bad as it looked initially on first glance. Uh, well, so the, yeah, yeah. I, I don't trust anything a player says because it's true. You know, a, a bruise today could be a slight tear tomorrow. But, you know, let let the machinery take a look at it first. And of course, you're trying to plan it, navigate on a bruised knee in a short week. Also, yeah, not easy yeah. to do. I don't care how much therapy and electrostimulation you get in that thing. You know, he might he might get one of those PRP shots where they take, you know, the blood plasma out and put it back in to help regenerate yeah. healing process quicker. You know, that's what uh, Darius Slate got last week. It didn't help him get back on the field. And he had this shot last Wednesday and still couldn't play on a Sunday. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So now you're right. We'll see. You're right. Uh, Justin Fields, insult to injury here, or injury to insult, if you will. Oh. So the Bears lose again, 19-13 to the Vikings, and he injured his right hand in the third quarter. Apparently, it looked some kind of dislocation, popped the thumb back in. Um, according to uh, to Matt Eberflus, the, uh, the x-rays were negative on the hand, but he, uh, he too, is going to get an MRI today. Um, so... You know, they, it can't get much worse in Chicago, but maybe it just did <laughs> with that injury. Yeah. They're, they're, one, I, I'd be they're one of the train wrecks this year. Yeah, I'd be kind of shocked if he played this week. You know, yeah. that was his throwing hand, right? Yes. I'm not forcing yeah. anything with that guy yeah. now. No, no. And see, I do think he has talent. I just don't think they've surrounded him with the necessary parts to improve or or for his numbers to show. I think he's a talented guy with a, with a strong arm. Yeah. And has ability, but he's taking a beating. That, that team, that, that organization is allowing this young man to take an unnecessary beating. Um, and here's another guy who may not finish what he starts because your body can only hold up for so long. You know, yeah. I don't care how tough. Look at Anthony Richardson, 6'4, 250. His season might be over. Yeah, they might have that surgery they were talking about. If it yeah. is, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know these these young these young running quarterbacks who we all adore and admire for their athleticism. You know, eventually, you take enough hits, man. It's like taking a mallet to meat when you're trying to tenderize it. You know, you, you tear you break up the muscle enough, brother. You're just not that same player. Uh, you know? I, don't I know it? All right. So uh, Jimmy Garoppolo had to leave a Raider game. They actually took him to the hospital uh, at halftime. He was in such uh, amount of pain. Back injury, it looked like it was something that was going down, affecting his legs, maybe some kind of pinched nerve, whatever. Uh, Brian Hoyer came in, finished it out, and they still won. They still beat the yeah. Patriots. 
Boy, Derek, we, we've talked about it a lot, I know, mm. but what the heck has happened in New England? One in five? Did you watch the highlights? I forgot what play it was, but you see Bill Belichick holding a clipboard or something. He just throws it on the sideline, just flips it, it up. It might have been – Did did Mac Jones take a take a safety? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, it was something like that. I do remember Mac, Belichick the cutaway. Yeah, he just he just throws it and goes, you know, what the heck? What am I going to do with this? You know, uh, but th- you're right, they're done. You and and the more this happens, the more I'm beginning to believe that we're going to see an announcement at the conclusion of the season that Robert Kraft and Bill Bel- Belichick have decided to part ways. Yeah, and there's you know, already people, like the stories have started. Yeah. If Belichick wanted to broadcast, he'd be it'd be worth like twelve to fifteen million. Every network would be all over him. So that we've already we're starting to see that. That yeah, is that the first crack here in the in the armor? Wow. Uh, you know, when you had the measure of success they've had, you know, everything's Camelot. But once it starts going bad, all of a sudden, you know, hey, look look at the relationship between Maury and James Hart. They were buddy buddies forever. Yep. Now all of a sudden. James says it can be repaired, you know. Maybe Belichick and Kraft get to that point. You know what? Our mutual friendship is strained to the point where we cannot coexist any longer in the same environment. It is my toy, therefore I am moving in a different direction. Yeah, I tell you the other thing, and I don't think this is going to happen, but if they were to lose nine more games this year, Mm -hmm. do you realize Belichick would set the all-time mark for losses as a head coach? No, no kidding. Yeah, so he's 299 and 157, which is phenomenal. It's just a matter of he's coached for so long. But uh, the record for the most regular season losses in NFL history is Dan Reeves. It's actually shared by Dan Reeves and Jeff Fisher. So Reeves has 162 or 165, as does Fisher. So Belichick, if he loses nine more, would, you know, would hold it. Yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? Oh, there's a very good possibility he could lose nine more this season. There's a very good possibility. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Can you man. imagine? It's bad enough he doesn't give the media anything when he wins. Can you imagine somebody mentioned that to me? Uh, you know, Bill, um, you just moved into first place in the all-time record for coaches with losses. I can see his response. Yeah, so what? That's <laughs> what's his response. Yeah, uh, what's your point? I don't. Do you think he'd even like throw something out there that, yeah, that's what happens when you're around a long time? Or he would just give you, yeah. So I'm worried about this he, week. I'm not worried about yeah. some record. That's what he would tell you. Yep. Uh, let, let's talk about this week. Um, you know, I can't control anything else. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can see them losing nine more. I really can. <laughs> oh, I could too. That, that's for sure. Um, all right. Elsewhere, the Texans. Props to D'Amico Ryan's. Um, so they beat the saints yesterday, 20 to 13. He's got them at three and three. You know, this was a team that looked like it was probably going to be in the bottom five in terms of wins or record. And he's got him at three and three right now. CJ Stroud has been by far the most, um, accomplished of the young quarterbacks that were drafted. Oh, uh, no he's question. Done a really good job taking care of the football and just playing, playing very well, playing very smart football too. I think Stroud had his first turnover also uh, yesterday right. of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you look at his efficiency, his poise in the pocket, um, his ability to deliver, I mean, great, great accuracy, um, and he's only getting better. 
Now, I just mentioned the words great accuracy. You know, when he, you know what his completion percentage was yesterday? No. <laughs> 48%. Ooh. But he had two touchdown passes and one pick. He's only been sacked 13 lines, uh, 13 times. So the offensive line is doing a job for him. The running okay. game is doing a job for him. They're not a star-studded team, but, hey, they're a team moving in the right direction with a coach. Think they, what, won three, all of three games last year? Yeah, they were awful last year. Yeah. So they, they've equaled their win total from a season ago? Mm-hmm. Already in 60. Kudos. Kudos to my boy D'Amico, man. For getting these getting these boys to believe, hey, this is a new era. I'm yeah. looking, let's see, last year's standings. And Houston, yeah, was 313 and one last year. They were a minus 131 in point differential. Mm. That's impressive. They, they were 07 and one at home. I mean, you know, pretty hey, awesome. look, one more win, D'Amico secures his job for at least another year. Yeah. Because as we saw down in Houston two years in a row, they fired a head coaches after one season. Yeah, that's true. It's been a quick hook. Yeah. Um, all right, elsewhere in London, the Ravens beat the Titans. Ravens moved to four and two. The Titans are two and four. They're uh they're headed nowhere fast. Um, that's for sure, are the uh are the Titans. And you know, I think Tannehill got hurt in the game. You wonder if we don't see Malik Willis start this week, just simply to shake things up a little bit um, for them. So they they uh, they go down, but credit to the Ravens who got the win. Uh, the Jags beat the Colts 37 to 20. And Jacksonville has rallied, Derek. They're now four and two after yep. what was uh looked like they were in a little bit of trouble early in the season, but they've they played much better football of late. Yeah, they're one game up on both uh, Indy and Houston. Um, but you're right. Uh, that was a huge win for them against Buffalo. Yeah. That was a defining moment for them um, in terms of where they want to go. Um, I, I I like everything about the Jaguars. Obviously, it starts with Doug Peterson, but I like how they've built that team. I love the speed of wide receiver on, on the offense. I'm a big fan, have been a big fan of Trevor Lawrence ever since he played at Clemson. Um, the defense is active. It's fast. Um, I still pick them to win that division if Trevor Lawrence can stay healthy. Um, can they go deep into the playoffs against some of the teams they match up against? Well, you know, we, we didn't think they could last year, and they and they, they shocked some people um, and, and got to the second second level of, of, of the playoffs last year. Um, you know what they say, you, you you have to learn how to win before you can win. And I still say Kansas City is a team you got to try to knock off in the AFC. But a team like Jacksonville, which is still a young team, a team like Jacksonville, you just never know on any given Sunday when they can rise up and bite you. Yeah, yeah. Elsewhere, uh, around the league, other games that we haven't um, discussed quite yet. Cardinals uh, lost 26-9 to the yeah. Rams. Uh, the Rams coming off the Eagles loss the previous week. Big uh, game for Cooper Cup. Seven catches, a buck 48, a touchdown. Kyron Williams ran the ball really well. 20 uh, rushing attempts, a buck 58 on the ground for him and a touchdown. No, it's another nice coaching job by uh, McVay there with you know, limited limited talent. And, and, and your guy, your guy, the Ganwagon. Boy, he's in a world of misery right now. Ganwagon yeah. has no talent, man. He's got nothing. That, that and, is they don't even know when their quarterback's coming back yet. No, no, that's the I, you know, there's speculation they're going to hold him for the entire year. Oh, you know, they don't want to risk the injury thing with him, and 
Some still think they're trying to get, to get Caleb Williams, who, by the way, did not have a great game on Saturday night against Notre Dame. Um, oh, they ended up USC lost. Um, but there is some talk. How about I went to sleep. Colorado was rolling Stanford Friday well, I night. Saw, I, saw, I saw the second half of that game. It was 29 nothing at halftime. Oh, my God. And what they let happen in the second – oh, Stanford was a one-win team. They, they were one in, one in five, something like that. Yeah, yeah. They had they had this big receiver that just chewed up Colorado secondary the second half. Color and then it goes to double overtime, and Colorado blows that game. That was the most humble I've seen Dion at a podium. And you know he takes losses well, and he says he uses them as teaching. He says, "But I had to ask these guys, do you love football or do you just like football?" Right. He said, "Because I can't remember ever having a twenty nine point lead when I played and losing a game." Mm-hmm. He said, I had to ask these guys, do, do you just like football? Because if you like football, maybe you, you might want to do something else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, Dion. Another 87 new players coming in next year. <laughs> yeah, I love the you might want to do something else. Yeah, I I was surprised by that because Stanford's down. They're not they're not the Stanford Andrew Luck days. They're they're mm-hmm. nowhere near that good. So um yeah, that's that was surprise. That was one I woke up and I'm like, wait, what? They lost in double overtime? What the yeah. heck happened here? Yeah, that that was surprising. Uh, but yeah, so other than that, you know, NFL wise, you know, that that's kind of the gist of of where things are. And just to circle it back to the Eagles here. <clears throat> oh, by the way, it looks like Joey Bosa and Josh Palmer both expected to play tonight for yep. the Chargers. They're gonna need like all Joey Bosa every week. There's something going on with him. I know? know, and they're gonna need after they just gave him all that money too. They, they're gonna need all the help they can get against Dallas tonight because I expect no this to be. You know, both teams are in desperate modes right now. Uh, what are the Chargers? Two, two and two and two, two and two, because they had the bye week yep. last week. They had yep. won their last two before the bye, so they're 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 playing a little bit better. But they're, yep. you know, they need to win the game for sure. They lose this game, they fall a half game behind the Raiders. I mean, for yeah. second place, right? So right. they have a lot to play for. Dallas definitely has a lot to play for. You know. Um, that's why I say it's going to be a good game. But I, can't, I keep just letting myself say, you know what? Dallas is going to find a way to get this game. They have to. They've got plenty of motivation from last week to what they watched around the NFL, especially the team in front of them in the division. And they know that first match with the Eagles is coming up soon. they got all the motivation in the world for tonight. Dallas, one-and-a-half-point favorites in L.A. I'm not surprised. Not I'm surprised. Not yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's a Dallas game, so. Anyway, all right, let's uh, let's come back. We're going to hit a bunch of stuff, Derek. Some baseball stuff. We'll tell you who won the ALCS last night. Uh, some other baseball news. We will circle it back to the Eagles. And again, if we hear anything on some of the injuries, we'll pass that along also. We'll do birthdays, speaking of Phillies. Uh, big birthday there for the Phillies. And we'll do movies as well. So don't go anywhere. That's Derek Gunn. I'm Rob Ellis. We're Sports Take. Jacob Sports, YouTube Network, right back. I remember getting my heart broken when they lost the Super Bowl in 2004. We're big Eagles fans. We moved to South Philly because of the Eagles. When they won, we went straight to Broad Street and uh, everybody was going nuts over there. And it was just a, a memory that you'll never forget.
If you own a company and you're not producing a podcast, you're missing out. The public consumes messaging when they're ready. Join the professional podcast network of companies and let Jacob Media Partners put you in the podcast arena. Come to our professional studio or we'll come to your place of business and professionally produce your company podcast. Call Jacob Media right now at 267-261-3428. My name is Dr. Bruce Grossinger. And I'm the medical director of Philadelphia PRP and Stem Cell Institute. I'm reaching out to those who suffer from spine and joint pain. We use treatment methods that require no surgery, no scalpel, no drugs. Running, walking, or whatever your desires are, Dr. Groshner is where you need to come. You can benefit from the same PRP and stem cell treatment as Wilbert Montgomery. Call us now at 610-222-5675. Save at Southeastern PA in Delaware with Colony Pools this football season. And let the experts close your pool with a custom Merlin safety cover in green for the birds. And if you join our winter watch team, we'll give you another 20% off and Colony Pools will handle it all. Keep your tiles on your pool, not in your pool. Fly with Colony right now, birds fans. Visit flywithcolony.com. Final segment of the show. Appreciate you hanging with us. If, if you could hit the like button, we appreciate it. That's Derek. I'm Rob. All right. So uh a couple things, Derek. Did you know uh that the 2028 uh summer Olympics will be held in Los Angeles? Did you know that? I did not know this. Yes, first time since night. Oh, was it? I think it was they were there 84, and was there another one in, in I'm not in LA I'm or not, I'm not sure. Okay. I wonder if they're going to use try to use SoFi Stadium in some way. I bet you they will, actually. I bet yeah, you they will. That wouldn't surprise me. That um, thing I've heard is incredible. I would imagine they're going to have some kind of some type of events in there. So uh, th- this is interesting. There's a couple of events they've added. They added cricket, your favorite sport. That's yeah. that's one that why you know, you're excited. That's right there with curling. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what curling is. Every time I watch it, it's like, eh, okay. Right. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, and they've added flag football. Wait a minute. Hold on. Time out. Time out. Is it an exhibition sport or is it an actual an actual medal sport? No, the five sports were, were finally added to the Los Angeles Games by the International, the IOC, International Olympic Committee, on Monday with baseball slash softball, okay. lacrosse, and squash 
confirmed. You're a squash okay. guy. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. All yeah. five were voted in single package with two no votes by the 90 IOC members in the room. And they're, they're saying, quote, we want LA 2028 to have the same springboard effect for our five sports, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, they, they've elevated cricket to Olympic status for the first time since 1900. Okay. Let me, that's, let me that's ask, a let me ask you yeah. something. Will you be watching cricket on the Olympics? No, I will not. Will you be watching lacrosse? I'll watch lacrosse. Yes. Will it? Really? <laughs> yeah, I like lacrosse. Yes. You can't even tell that lie with a straight face. I do. I like lacrosse. I, I follow well, college lacrosse men and women very closely. I don't. The only time I follow, follow um, lacrosse is every May when they have the NCAA finals. Usually the men's finals are Memorial Day weekend. Correct. See, and my, and my, my two daughters played both um, lacrosse and softball in high school. So I follow lacrosse a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. But I'm not watching lacrosse in the Olympics. I'm sorry. It's not happening. And what are the other sports? Uh, baseball, flag football, uh, cricket, and I'll watch flag football. Yeah, I'll watch flag football. So let's see. Cricket, no. Curling, no. No, that's not happening. Let me ask you, do you think that we'll get any retired NFL players who could maybe still move a little bit? to play flag football at the Olympic level. I, absolutely. Now, whether they make the team or not, that's another story. But I guarantee you, we're going to be hearing story. Can you imagine putting Tyreek Hill on a flag football team? Oh, my God. For the Olympics? Yeah. Jeez. That's automatic gold medal. I think, you, I, you know what you could see? You could see them doing that or just finding these sprinters and, yeah. and just throwing them the ball constantly to, to get them ready and then just going on, you know, these just fly patterns and trying to connect with them. That can be kind of interesting. You see, you see, Barbara Carroll says Hertz will be on the Olympic flag football team. I, I find that hard to believe only because the NFL has so many stipulations and player contracts about what they can and cannot do. Would you put your franchise quarterback out there in a flag football game and no. all of a sudden national story – Jalen Hurts rips up his knee playing flag football for America. You, you won't see. That? You won't, Derek. You won't see one NFL player, not one. I think like, you'll see recently retired players. Yes, I'm talking presently employed yeah, by presently. a team. Heck no. no they don't want them on motorcycles. They don't want them doing daredevil stunts. No, no, yeah. no, no, no. I just read a thing the other day. The old uh, cowboy Walt Garrison just died. Did you see that last I week? I did not see it. Okay, not see it. so. You know, back then they didn't make them, they had to have other jobs. Okay. So not only would he work as a, as a rodeo cowboy in the off season, he would leave practice during the week, about three days a week and go do rodeos. And, and he's doing it like secretly. And Tom Landry got wind of it. It was like, you're done doing this. We are not going to have you get hurt, you know, doing rodeos and whatnot. So anyway. Um, he, he, you know, he was a good old cowboy. Yes. Yeah, so he was a cowboy in every sense. He was an Oklahoma state cowboy and then a Dallas yep. cowboy. And he was, he was very much that guy. Um, all right. A couple things, baseball. So the uh, Rangers strike first, Derek in the ALCS, they beat the Astros yep. last night in Houston. Game two will be before the Phillies game um, today. 
So here's here's why hey, you're just watching it if you're a fan, but you're also paying attention because the Phillies would have home field advantage in the World Series against Houston, but not against Texas, not against the Rangers. So they'd, they'd be on the road if they made the World Series against the why, Rangers. Why would they have the home field advantage against Houston? And that I think head-to-head head to head or record. Uh, yeah. They both finished with 90, identical 90 and 70. You know, Houston, Texas, and the Phillies all finished with identical 90 and 72 records. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I'm a little shocked. Head head okay. yeah. yeah. So, uh, anyway, they got a good, really good pitching effort out of uh, Montgomery, let Jordan Montgomery last night, and they'll go uh, over Kershaw or uh, Verlander, who pitched well, but it didn't wasn't enough. So they'll go and, game two tonight. And here's another team. Texas has not lost a game in the playoffs yet this year. No, I know. I know. They're 6-0 and in the playoffs. Yeah, there, there's yeah. some – like, you get some hot teams – going My right goodness. now yes yeah really texas dope. texas and arizona are as hot as you could be right now yeah now yeah. I, now now granted because you know i'm going to ask you this when it comes up i don't see it happening what will you say if if the phillies go to arizona down oh two? Oh boy no, i think they're in massive trouble i think they're but they, they they are because here's why i mean you will that means you will have lost games that wheeler and nola started Yep, you're in big trouble. And now the only thing is Arizona really doesn't have a good third or fourth starter. No, they but don't. Still, but still, I mean, you're going to have to go. They're hitting a ton. Oh yeah, but you're going to have to go Ranger in Game Three, which I feel fine about. And Game Four is either going to be Taiwan Walker or Christopher yep. Sanchez. Yep. I would prefer Christopher Sanchez. A lot okay. of people around baseball think that he's going to go with Taiwan Walker. I think it's a big mistake. Well, he won they, 15 games. I mean. You would he pick he got a lot of walk. run support, Derek. He got a lot of help. I I agree, I agree. But then you know, with the series being two three two, yeah, I know that would be. I know, yeah, you're out there for three games, yeah, or two yeah. to try to to climb out of. Man, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, all right, a couple other things here, uh, baseball wise. So the Giants, the San Francisco Giants, interviewed Alyssa Nakin for the managerial job, the spot. Uh, you know, relinquished when uh, they bounced Gabe Kapler. She would obviously be the first female uh, major league manager. Now they're a progressive organization. Uh, so it's not out of the question that it happens. Um, but yes, that, that, that could go, be the to, case. Let's see, to go from Miami to San Francisco. No, 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 no. This is different from the other. We'll get into that other story. In a oh, okay. This is totally okay. separate. This is to be the actual just manager of the team, like not okay. not front office. Yeah. Would they have to get a roommate like Brock Purdy to live in San Francisco? And for for the price, I mean, baseball does better. I think. I think. I think she would be. She'd make enough to have her at least a one bedroom or a studio in San Francisco. Yeah. I wonder how, I wonder how players will feel about that. I think now, it'd be I'm, interesting. I, the dynamic would be very interesting. I think. You know. You know. I really you, don't. Let's face it, you know, men are men. Um, they would never say it on the surface because of the sensitive nature of it. But I wonder deep down how players would feel about that. I know. Uh, to have a woman manager. I think, I think like anything, the first time through would be tough, I think. It would be rough when you're, when you're breaking ground. Um, we saw, you know, we have a lot of examples through history, Jackie Robinson, et cetera, what you go through. So I think it would be hard for her the first time around. Um, as a manager, and there's a different kind of fair. It, it's not fair, but there's going to be a different kind of spotlight on her than there would any male manager that was hired. Yeah, yeah. But somebody's got to be the first one through the door, man. You know. Yeah, you're right. 
way uh, overdue. Might, might as is. well. All right. Beyond that, um, kind of in the same you know ballpark, if you will. Um, Kim Ning. So, so it's it's K I M N G is her last name. She was the Marlins general manager. There was a mutual option with her and the club. The club picked up the option. She elected to decline it and move on. So there's two things at play, at least reportedly, when it comes to this, Derek. One, there's speculation that that she might be in line to get the Red Sox gig. Yeah. Um, Bloom got Bloom got fired there, and there, there's talk that she would jump into that spot. Um, the other thing is they, there is some speculation that um, the Marlins franchise was lo- was looking to hire somebody as like a VP a, 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 in a position of decision making above her, and that didn't sit well with her, so she rolled. Either way, she's not she's gone. She did a nice job with them. They got in the playoffs this year, and you know a lot of people are looking at it like sort of more more dysfunction for the Miami Marlins, where it's like a revolving door a lot of times. So she's out of there. Let's see, sun cold. Hurricanes, snow, sleet, endless beaches, massive congestion in population. I don't know, man. I might take a little less money to stay in Miami than go to yeah. Boston. Yeah, I mean I, that, and but that's the I thing I don't know. know. Uh, you know, yeah. is is Boston willing to just say we are going to triple your salary or whatever? If that's the case, you 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 keep your place in Florida and you you do your you know your work in in Boston yeah. too. You know. Um, take a little bit of time off, but that should be uh, should be interesting to see what happens and ha- ends up happening there. All right, let's do some uh, birthdays and then let's do some movies, and then I do want to get it back to what we think tonight for the Phillies uh, Diamondbacks first game. But all right, speaking of, let's start with that. Thirty one years young today is Bryce Harper D Gun. He is thirty one. Yes, Bryce Harper's birthday. Let's see if he can uh, get a win and, and maybe maybe go yard on his birthday tonight. Yep. All right. Beyond that, Oscar Wilde, the writer, um, was born on this day in 1854, prolific for his time. John Mayer. John Mayer, not only the solo artist, but uh, dead in company, uh, guitarist yep. and singer. Angela Lansbury was born on this day in 1925, Murder, She Wrote, and all the other stuff she's been in. Uh, Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, is 26 today, is Naomi. The the first Asian tennis player to ever hold number one singles ranking. That's right. That's right. Yep. yep. Good call there. Um, Manuk, Manuk Bull, uh, unfortunately passed away very young, but is uh, was born on this day, 1962. Manuk Bull's got a son, Bull Bull, who plays in the NBA. Uh, <laughs> Tim Robbins, the actor, uh, who is in a lot of movies, including Shawshank Redemption, is 65 years old today. Sue Bird, the uh, the uh, great female basketball player, um, Hall of Famer, WNBA legend, uh, 43 years old today. This Dude, is sad, you, Derek. Can huh? you imagine walking into her house? She welcomes you into her house, and what you would see is four WNBA trophies, four Olympic gold medals, and two NCAA title trophies at UConn. UConn. Yeah, she's a winner, man. A mean, trophy Jeez. Yeah, I know. She is a straight-up winner. Um, this is sad. She passed away yesterday. Yeah. Suzanne Summers. You know, I mean, and her birthday today, and her family was there to celebrate her birthday. They were hoping she yeah. could make it to that. She was very ill with breast cancer and whatnot. 
and they were hoping she was going to make it to this. Instead, they had a you know a celebration of life for her yesterday when she passed away. It's a shame. She was uh, she would have been born. She would have been um, seventy seven today. Had she yeah, survived. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I loved her in Three's Company. You yep. know, she played the ditzy role. Yeah, uh, but everybody loved. She was like America's sweetheart. Everybody loved Suzanne Summers. Yeah, it's yeah. a shame. That's a shame. You know, yeah. the only one of the original cast still, uh, of the regulars that's still right. alive from that show is the one who played Janet. Yeah. John Ritter's gone. Yeah. Suzanne Summers, the Ropers, you know, they're all gone. Um, you know? And Don Knotts, Don obviously. He's gone. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Good call. Uh, Kelly Martin, the actress, is 48 today. Kim Wayans, who's part of the Wayans family, yep. is 62 today. Cordell Stewart, slash is 51 today. I covered him in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Yeah, man. It turned out to have a good career for sure. Uh, Wendy Wilson of Wilson Phillips is 54 today. The actor, Michael Conrad, who was on Hill street blues was born on this day, 1925. Tim McCarver passed away, uh, pretty recently within the last couple of years is, is, mm -hmm. uh, born on this day, 1941. Uh, Bob Weir from the grateful dead is 76 years old today. Uh, Dave DeBusher. Uh, was born on this day in 1940. All right, what else do you have, D-Gun? Um, let's see. We have uh, Katarina Scorsoni from Grey's Anatomy, 42 today. Barry Corbin. I love Barry Corbin in Northern Exposure. Yeah, excellent. He's excellent. Uh, was He's 83 today. Paul Sparks uh, from the, the, the show Boardwalk Empire. I love that show. Uh, 52 today. Mm -hmm. Alice Pierce. Uh, Alice Pierce was. If you ever watched the sitcom Bewitched, she no. was the nose, the nosy neighbor on Bewitched. Oh yeah, she has that. If you see the face, you'll know who it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah. was born on this day in 1917. Okay. Uh, Pamela Bach from Baywatch is 60. Uh, Flea, the basis for Red Hot Chili Peppers oh, is 61. Yep, Flea. Yep. yep. Uh, let's see who else we got here. Oh, let's see. Uh, Gary Kemp, the lead guitarist for a Spando Ballet. Yep. Uh, 64. And Chris Dolman, uh, who passed away in 2020, was born on this day in 1961. He finished Hall of Fame career with 150 and a half sacks. Underrated, I think, in the in the bigger do. picture when we talk about the great defensive ends and edge rushers. Yeah, yeah. Chris Dolman was the real deal. Uh, all right, movies. A uh, great one here. Law Abiding Citizen 2009. Oh, Spectacular. Yeah. Every time it's on, uh, I'm watching it. The, the original uh, A Star is Born, man, 1934? Yeah. Is that right? 1954. 54, I mean, 54. With, uh, yeah. Judy Garland. Yeah. Uh, Great White Hope with um, James Earl Jones, 1970. Yep. Candyman, uh, 1992. Pride of Chucky, 1998. Oh, yeah. Any others? Uh, let's see. Bridge of Spies, 2015. Okay. Honest Thief, The Honest Thief, 2020, and The Stepfather, which was a decent movie, uh, was 2009. All right, all right. Let's uh, let's get a couple predictions here. What do we what do we think of tonight? So you have Wheeler on the mound against Zach Allen. It's a nice matchup. Wheeler, uh, 13 and six with a 3.61 ERA during the regular season. He's one and zero with a 2.04 ERA in the postseason. Zach Allen. Uh, is 17 and nine with a 3.47 ERA, but it, he's two and zero with a 3.18 ERA during the postseason. What do we think in this one, Derek? I think it's going to be a good pitching duel. Um, you know, Arizona's tried to pump in noise at their stadium when they practice this week leading up to this game. 
Uh, they said, bring on the noise. We're ready for it. No, you're not. Just like Larry Anderson said, this is a different beast. This is a different decibel level that you're going to encounter in this stadium tonight because you got people that sit right on top of you. Right. You know, your ears are going to be ringing after this game tonight. So I, I see the Phillies winning this game. I think it's going to be like a 5-3 type game, 4-2 type game, something like that maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do think the Phillies come out. I think Wheeler's going to be on point, And I think Arizona's not going to get any runs until Wheeler exits the game to be honest. I, I like your line of thinking in terms of a low scoring game. I, I think it is going to be a low scoring game. Um, this is not going to be the fireworks. I don't think that we saw um, in, in some of these games at the Phillies with the home runs. I think they'll play a tight game. I think Wheeler's going to give you seven. Yeah. Uh, I, I, yeah. I like him tonight. I think they'll do just enough with Zach gallon and enough with uh, that bullpen of, of the diamondbacks and the Phillies get by. I think it's, I think it's like a four, three ish kind of game and, but they win. It's going to be, yeah. It's going to be bad on our nerves, but it's going to be a win uh, for the Phillies. So uh, they win. Eagles, you know, we're just awaiting word on guys. We haven't heard anything, and that's going to be the that's going to be the big part of the this early portion of the week is going to be injury update city. That's really what it's going to come down to. So I checked around with a couple of writers, and Nick Sirianni speaks to the media at three uh, fifteen today. Yep. Uh, so we'll see. You know, normally he doesn't tell you anything when it comes to injuries. Um, so we'll see. The big one, obviously, is Lane Johnson. Right. So we'll see if he reveals anything. Uh, Adam Sheffley put out there that Lane's Johnson, uh, Lane's injury doesn't appear to be serious. But even if it's like a high ankle sprain, it could be a couple of weeks. Yeah, and then you're going to get into the temptation of do you sit him for the next whatever it is, two or three games into the buy yeah. to buy him an extra yeah. little bit of extra time. That's a long stretch without him if that's the case. Yeah. But yeah, you know, it's better than the alternative that he's you know done for the season or whatever. So. Yep. Um, all right, let's uh, let's wrap it, Derek. It was fun. I want to thank our producer, Tone DeShields. Tone, thank you, man. Appreciate you as always. Thanks everybody Appreciate in the chat. Tone. Yeah, uh, all of you guys in the chat, all you guys streaming and listening. Thank you. Don't go anywhere. You have the National Football Show with Dan Cilio coming your way. Derek and I back at it tomorrow. Looking forward to hanging out with you. Enjoy the game tonight, guys. Both games, NFL uh, Monday Night Football Likewise, as well. Man. Yep, and we'll see you. To, we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks. 